0: Hello folks, it's Rico, and you're about to listen to Treks and Sci-Fi Podcast 563 for November 22nd, uh, 2015. Uh, this is actually kind of not really Treks and Sci-Fi that I'm going to be playing for you. We're going to do a little cross-promotion this week, and I'm going to play for you a very cool episode of the Star Wars Stacks, which is a cool podcast by my friends uh, Jen and Joe and Chris. <laughs> I don't know why I said them like in slow motion why I did that. But anyway, they uh, cover Star Wars books. And if you don't listen, you may be listening already. I, I know we get a lot of cross-listeners uh, between the the little family of podcasts. Uh, but um, if you don't, this will be a good example uh, it is one of their early shows. I think it's show, the second show they did on the great Timothy Sand book, uh, Heir to the Empire. But this is a great show. You should be listening to this uh, podcast because they're a lot of fun. Uh, they cover a book about a, once a month or so, and they intersperse in their uh, comments on uh, current Star Wars events as well. Obviously, there's a lot of Star Wars stuff going on these days. So, They are both about books and, uh, you know, what's happening in the world of Star Wars uh, or the world of Disney, let's call it, or the world of J.J. Abrams or whatever. Because we're a month away from The Force Awakens. Oh, my gosh. I think I've already seen too much. I'm starting to just feel that. But, uh, okay. Anyway, I don't want to talk too long because this is a pretty long show of theirs. I think it's a couple hours long. Uh, You know, feel free to break that up. Uh, That's what I do with longer shows uh, of other podcasts that I listen to. Two other things. First being, uh, Happy Thanksgiving coming up to all the people in the U.S. listening. That'll be this week later on. Also, if you didn't watch the big vidcast from Austin Comic Con yet, uh, please do so. It, it was so much fun to uh, to be there again and to participate and dress up and see all my friends. And that'll be over on Vimeo, V-I-M-E-O dot com forward slash Trekkie. Just look for... Uh, uh, Austin Comic-Con 2015, a uh, vidcast, uh, it was put up last weekend on the 15th of November so. And I'm going to be sprinkling out some music videos that I included in the vidcast, but I'll be posting those as well over the coming weeks that I put in the show, but I'll be posting them separately on Vimeo as well. So check that out. Also, one last thing, uh, the uh, Patreon.com site, patreon.com forward slash Trex in Sci-Fi, still going well. Uh, if you'd like to donate a dollar, two, three a month, uh, that'd be fantastic. Uh, hey, it's a giving time of year, right? Uh, so, uh, so go over there, check it out, Patreon.com forward slash Trex and Sci-Fi to help support the podcast and the upcoming. A weekly or bi-weekly or whatever I decide to do, a video a short show that I am creating soon uh, to be taking advantage of the new displays and set that I'm creating here in the Rico Cave. So without any further ado, here are Chris, Jen, and Joe uh, talking about Air to the Empire on their Star Wars Stacks a podcast. Uh, check it out. You can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, and all those good places. So I will talk to you again soon. And here goes uh, their look at Heir to the Empire.
1: The Star Wars Stacks is a Star Wars Expanded Universe book club. The Expanded Universe, also known as the EU among Star Wars fans, encompasses all of the officially licensed fictional background of the Star Wars universe outside the feature films. Each month, the hosts will discuss a book from the EU. entered the Star Wars Stacks with your hosts Chris, Jen, and Joe. Please keep your voices down. Welcome to the Star Wars Stacks. This is Jen, and
2: this is Joe,
3: and this is Chris.
1: We're talking today about Heir to the Empire, and apparently it's kind of a big deal. At least that's what the guys have been telling me, and uh, I happen to agree with them. It's a pretty good book. It's much better than Millennium Falcon.
2: But that's not hard to do. (laughs) (laughs) If you listen to that show, yeah. Yeah,
1: it was the first time I read it. These guys, they've read it several times, Mm -hmm. but uh, I I had never read it before. So I think I started it. um, I have an old books on tape version that um, I won't say who uh, gave it to me, quotation marks. Um, Yeah, (laughs) but it was hideously horrible. The narrator sucked. Sorry, can I say that on this show?
4: Yeah, yeah, you can say
1: sucked. I can say sucked. Okay, it sucked. Um, he, as I said in the other episode, he pronounced um, the executor wrong. He called it, well, the executor wrong. He called it the ex- executor. He said, Millennium Falcom. I mean, I don't <laughs> even said, know how it's possible. He said, Coruscant. He said, Han. He said, uh, Dagaba. I don't know. I was over. I was over it. But you guys convinced me to give it another shot, and I downloaded the, the newest version mm. of the uh, audiobook. And it, it was good. I liked it.
2: I do
3: need to point out, though, that there are two people who say Han in the Star Wars trilogy. I know, C-3PO I know. and Lando Calrissian. La-
1: Lando, but he doesn't, I don't know.
3: Oh. <laughs> but you're right about it. doesn't sound that. right. And Coruscant, every audiobook I, I listened to before Episode 1 came out, they said Coruscant. Every mm-hmm. single one of them. So and when I first saw the movie and they said and, and he said Coruscant, I was like,
2: oh, OK. <laughs> and and you know, what's funny is I'm I'm about 90 percent sure that the the books on tape version was actually narrated by Dennis Lawson, who was actually Wedge. Right. Really? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, he sucks. <laughs> Damn <laughs> Wedge. That, sucks. that is my professional opinion. You <laughs> couldn't blow up the first Death
2: Star, and you can't say Coruscant properly.
3: He can't do any good back there. But he actually, thats every, as, every, as most people know, that's uh, Ewan McGregor's
2: uncle. Indeed.
1: Uh, yeah, I just learned that on Pinterest, of all places. I saw Ewan picture McGregor
2: picture. said Coruscant properly. Uh, he did, well, but I, I bet he was coached. Yeah, probably I not. By him, not by his uncle, <laughs> not by Dennis, at least. <laughs> no. Uncle Didn't, Uncle George, not yes. Uncle Dennis.
3: <laughs> Didn't uh, Dennis Lawson end up in like episode two, somewhere? I thought. I'm not sure. Maybe in like some crowd scene. No, I'm thinking of really. Anthony Daniels in in the um, bar,
2: right? Yeah, because I gotta, jar, I've jar. got I got his Wikipedia up here, and it just yeah. says the original three movie Star oh. Wars movies. Though he was in something in 2012 in Broken, he played Mister Buckley. His career is going gangbusters. Yes, he's been in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen movies since 1977.
1: So hey, that's episode- more than us. Yeah, that's true.
2: <laughs> episode four was his first uh, his his acting debut.
1: Hmm.
3: Or he so looks, it
2: seems. He looks like a like George
3: Harrison, like a young George Harrison, or more poor McCartney. Maybe he looks like a Beatle. Anyway, his photo on Wikipedia is very squinty. He's squinty. Yeah, he's British. <laughs>
2: Actually, he's Scottish.
3: Ah, sorry.
2: Uh oh. Sorry, British <laughs> listeners oh, and Scottish boy. listeners. Oh my, you started us off in a note here. No,
3: I can't see because you know how sometimes <laughs> they British for the whole British Isles, but it's yes, not. it's you, the UK, the UK, and
2: mm-hmm. yes, that'd be like calling me American. Oh, I
1: know they're gonna say us, yes. you know, how <laughs> how ignorant us Americans are. Thank you for perpetuating the stereotype.
2: Mm. I didn't say it. I am Canadian, I'm very sensitive to other people's nationality. Of course, yeah. Hey, 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 I don't want to
3: offend anybody. Hey? You know,
2: it's pretty good. You know, hey, whatever you got, hey,
3: you can say bad words to me. I don't mind, you know, because I don't want to offend anybody.
2: It's it's actually funny when people on 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 my other podcast, uh, when when people write in, they one of my listeners started up a term called that they they refer to themselves as nationally challenged. <laughs> It's like, you know, English isn't my first language, so uh, my my writing might not be great. And for, I'm, unfortunately, I'm nationally challenged, not huh. living in North America.
3: <laughs> Interesting.
2: And you know. it's kind of become a thing. So now all my for, quote-unquote foreign listeners refer to themselves as nationally challenged. <laughs> yeah, well...
1: Well, they can join the, most of the population of the United States, then. <laughs> <laughs> also,
4: i <even> English.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: Most of us not bilingual.
3: I grew up in New York, so you know everybody I grew up around. I don't think, I think English was their second language.
1: Yeah, hey, I speak
2: Italian.
3: It, you know how many times I heard, like, irregardless? I'm like,
2: irregardless.
3: Mm. Yeah, I'm like, it's not a word at all. But uh, there was some Star Wars news. Um, nothing major. I mean, the thing is, we're recording fairly before uh, release. You know, we have holidays coming up and stuff. So
2: April's a busy month.
3: Yeah. So, you know, what we're we're looking at here is uh, saying J.J.'s casting unknowns in Episode 7. Really? I mean, because no movie put out ever has an unknown person. Um, <laughs> and also that the movies are set 30 years in the future. Again no bleep you know (laughs) yeah not really i mean
2: one one thing about that is it does give me a little bit of hope that a lot of the eu stories that we love including the one we're about to talk about may because they're moving so far into the future may may not not cease to exist Mm, well
3: as we're probably going to discuss as we move through this particular book Um, It contradicts screen stuff big time, this book.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. So
3: it's been, and then the next book more so. And I guess I can just compartmentalize it because for me, it is what it is. But yeah, I would say that there is definitely hope that maybe some of the stuff that we have enjoyed may not at least be completely erased.
2: Yeah, because thirty years brings us to what, like New Jedi Order? Past that, even? Yeah, it's past that. New Jedi Order is twenty-five years, I believe. From so it's like Fade of the Jedi or Legacy of the Force or one of
3: those. Yeah, it might not even be twenty-five years. It might be sooner than that. So, but I'm pretty sure it's
2: twenty-five. If I open up, if I open up the notes from the last podcast, I could see how far Millennium Falcon was, and that's kind 40. of between. I remember. No, 40, right? 43, yeah. 43, okay. All right, so that's, yeah, so it's before, way before, so it's probably two years after the end. Legacy of the, so after the end of Legacy of the Force, so it'd be kind of like pre-Legacy of the Force.
3: Um, And I guess there's going to be a next-gen Star Wars video game. Again, I'm pretty sure we all figured eventually there would be one. I'm hoping for like Battlefront 3 or something. I don't know.
1: Something that's not as frustrating as um, The Force Unleashed. Yes, yes, something
2: that isn't so uh quick time eventy uh, and twitchy. Now, one Jumping thing. Puzzles. I've yeah, beat those, puzzles. I've beat
3: those games on like on I beat those on like whatever it was Sith Master or whatever. And You're so awesome. <laughs> I've never um yeah, but it's it's I've gray hairs from it. I have like this ridiculous <laughs> obsession with beating games on difficulty on high difficulties because I say well, I should be I should be able to do it. I mean, and it's This is for kids. <laughs> but holy cow, that one was ridiculous There is one part at the end of that game where you the first one. I don't know if you guys have played the second one. Is it
2: the Star Destroyer yeah, thing? Yeah, I played both.
3: <laughs> no, the Star Destroyer thing? Yes. Yeah. That one was yeah. so I mean, you've never I've never wanted to throw my <laughs> controller more than that cuz like all the direction where it's like down, left and doesn't mean a damn thing it's like
2: Like, just do what you think is right
3: forget the direction basically i just pulled it down and it crashed eventually but the tie fighters are coming at you and then if the hard difficulty it is ridiculous there's another part at the very end where you drop into this the death star and you're in this like landing bay and like there's like walkers and like a bunch of those jetpack guys and like literally you show up and you get like just blasted by like from a million sides and uh, you have to. I mean, it took me forever. My and my wife just looks at me like, "What is your? Why do you care?
2: Like, is this fun? This is." It's not fun. fun.
3: I'm like, I'm no. stressed out. I'm sweating. I'm beat red. <laughs> I'm like, ah. I look like you know Rob Ford on a bad day. Woo hoo! <laughs>
1: Toronto reference. Yes. So hopefully it's not like that. No,
3: I, I'm no. hoping for Battlefront Three, which I don't know if you have played. Either of you guys have played. Those. I played Battlefront. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love those. Those are those games are the kind of games that like anybody can play. You drop in, you know, a battle. You can switch to between um, different, kind different of types characters, of soldiers, and then you and yeah. you get enough kills. You you can be like a Luke or a Jedi shows up, and then you can really whoop somebody. So,
1: what do you prefer, first-person shooters or RPGs?
2: Oh, I like I love them both. How about a first-person RPG like Elder Scrolls? (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Or something, or yeah, or even like kind of an action RPG, more like Mass Effect or something. That I mean, that's basically what Knights of the Old Republic was. It was kind of precursor to Mass Effect. So I would love something.
1: I I would prefer that type of game because I'm a Mass Effect fiend, and I love uh, I loved Knights of the Old Republic. So I would Mm -hmm. love that kind of a game. And I think Star Wars
2: kind of kind of lends itself to that kind of game because I mean mm-hmm. it's kind of like you're playing through a really really long movie, right? Yeah. It um and and Mass Effect,
3: I think with the better ending on Mass Effect three, um really is really great what they do with characters that if it the way that that series with you know, being able to carry on your character from one to two to three. I don't know if people realize how like revolutionary that was. Mm -hmm. So you could like, that I could have my old load be compatible with a new game. And then everything that happened in that old game, even, you know, the way my guy looked and like, it really carried through. And like all those decisions, like there are people, so I was over my friends and he's like got Ashley and I'm like, Ashley, holy cow, yeah, I haven't she's seen life. I killed her in the first game yeah. because I liked the blue girl. So like <laughs> I just got rid of her. And so like and because I just kept the same save, I never um went back. And it gives you ownership of, of the character. Yeah, right. It's it like, that's your or that's your shepherd. It is. So see,
1: yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No,
3: no. Go. I was just gonna say. So if I, it's I was working. so
1: obsessive about it and keeping my characters alive. I would play it again and again and again to save them. Hmm. Like, cause my I played Femshep, and hmm. and her significant other was Caden, and so I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but I played it over and over until I got the the right outcome for that in the right. um, uh, the last uh, one. So. I know how that is. And in the second one, I kept playing it and playing it and playing it until I got all of my crew to survive. (laughs) Oh,
3: you know, that was a frustrating thing about the second one was you didn't really realize, I didn't realize that people were getting killed. You know, like at that very end part where like everything's collapsing. It's like, oh, I'm
2: choosing this person. I'm choosing that person. And all of a sudden,
3: like the the alien dude, Morden, got killed. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, he died? Like I didn't... Damn! (laughs) So like, I just, but I'm kind of like... Once it happens, it happened.
2: So I'm just no. like, oh, well, because I know a... <laughs>
1: yeah. so one I was... thing
2: that gives me that gives me hope for this is, uh, I guess, the whole point of this article that I, I threw in here was that this uh, Amy Hennig, who is uh, a game designer who came over to EA from from Naughty Dog. She worked on the Uncharted series. Hmm. And I don't know if you guys played Uncharted at all. I have.
1: No, but I've heard a lot about it.
2: Right. So they're very cinematic kind of games. And so I think that that's really like the Uncharted series is is, is award winning. So you know I, I would hope that they could bring kind of the same kind of quality to a Star Wars game.
4: Yeah.
3: yeah. What I've what I've noticed is even like action games are kind of weaving in RPG elements. Like even that Tomb Raider game yeah. became kind of RPG ish with a little bit of open world action where you can kind of go backwards and you know build up your your character and level mm-hmm. up and things like that. So I, I think that like you guys said that the older the nice old republic which is about 13 years old now hard to believe still a great game um, yep. get it you can get it on your ipad it's such it was such a i was that that was my addiction i mean <laughs> and um i, I would love a, a game i would love a game in a different era with that style i mean uh, just give me something something
2: to chew on anyway
4: yeah i, I mean agree. my assumption,
2: my assumption is a new game is going to be you know based on the new stuff than new yeah. movies i don't i would hope but mm, i yeah. guess we'll, we'll see
3: it's coming soon and so i think what everybody's thinking with all the um why there hasn't been and jj with the he's it's the same jj stuff it doesn't tell you anything but what i'm what people seem to think is that maybe on may the 4th because it's star wars day it's, that you're gonna get yeah. your cast maybe and maybe some something else but we'll see
2: yeah, I don't know. I'm not holding my breath. Me either, because every
3: time there's been something where it's like we make an announcement, you don't. But um, it would be cool to kind of get a look at who's playing, at, at, like the actors, and maybe you can we can work out what the heck they are going to be. You know, it'll be fun to speculate. But the movie's coming out in what, like a year and a half?
2: If they keep the schedule, God. then yes.
3: Okay. Well, are we ready to dive into the uh, spoiler-free overview?
2: We certainly are.
3: So, all right. This is the part where everybody can listen, and then Joe's going to do that thing he do. Yes. Let's do it.
5: You have entered level one, a spoiler-free zone of the Star Wars stacks.
2: So it's five years after the events of Return of the Jedi. The Emperor is dead and the Empire is a shadow of its former self. The remnants of the Imperial fleet are kind of huddled together in one quarter of, uh, of the Empire's former territory. So things aren't looking great for the Empire, as we may have assumed from the end of Return of the Jedi. Uh, meanwhile, in the Empire's place, a new republic has been declared by the former leaders of the Rebel Alliance, Uh, The New Republic has taken up residence in the former Imperial Palace on Coruscant. Coruscant, not Coruscant. (laughs) Very important to to point out. Uh, While it's growing very quickly, uh, the burdens of government lay heavily on a select few people, including Leia Organa, or as she is now known, Leia Organa Solo. Uh, Since we last saw them, Leia and Han have gotten married, all wonderful and happy. And uh, Luke Skywalker has embraced his role as the first in a new order of Jedi Knights sworn to defend justice and the honor of the new Republic. At the same time, however, unknown or perhaps even unbeknownst, if we want to use a (laughs) fancy word, to our heroes (laughs) and the fledgling government, the last of the Emperor's warlords has returned from an extended mission in the unknown regions. This tactical genius has taken control of the Imperial fleet and has set into motion a grand plan to destroy the rebels and their upstart government as he refers to them as they're not the new republic to them they are the rebels still Hmm. with incredible cunning some special equipment a race of alien assassins and more this new enemy threatens to spell the end for both the new republic and the skywalker and solo families themselves okay wonderful very exciting
3: goodbye folks that's it (laughs) yep that's it it's been a good show it's good podcast over go read it okay (laughs) So um, that's that for the non-spoiler section. And if you haven't read the book and don't want to learn anymore, pause it. uh, Come back
4: because
3: we don't want you here if you don't know. Because we don't want to ruin it for you. (laughs) But uh, anyway, we're going to now, after this, we're going to also spoilers all the time. And uh, that's that. So
5: here we go. You have entered level two of the Star Wars stacks. Be warned, spoilers exist within this zone. Please return to this timestamp once you have absorbed the material being discussed in this area. So, before
3: we get going into the uh, actual story, thought about kind of talking about the um, expanded universe up to this point. Which was um, nil. We kind of talked about this on the Kenobi podcast that we did for Treks and Sci-Fi, not in depth. But what was considered to be the expanded universe was um, Splinter of the Mind's Eye, was like the first non-canon um, uh, Star Wars book, which is is a really weird book. Oh um,
1: we'll, we'll it's def- hard we'll... to get
2: through.
3: Yeah, it's real yeah, tough. We'll
2: have to cover it when, when one one one. Yeah, these maybe ones. on a ho-
3: maybe on like our Halloween show or something.
2: A weird one. <laughs> it is an interesting one. That's
3: um, for Um. Sure. And basically, what really went on was mostly just comic books. There wasn't really any real novels to speak of. And they say that the the big change came. West End Games began to publish uh, a Star Wars uh, tabletop RPG in 1987. And so, you know, for for people to be able to make new stories, they had to, uh, West End Games had to provide, like, supplemental material, you know, background you know background stuff because like if, if you've ever played one you know you have like those source books and that kind of tells you the universe and like this is a data pad this is a you know a speeder all the little details that were you know sort of in the background became more prominent like you know the the alphabet the star wars alphabet which is called orabesh um it was just like a piece of set dressing it really wasn't a language but um the guy that that made the uh, West End Games books, he took those symbols and he made a whole alphabet out of it.
2: And then yeah, they like mapped them to letters. Yeah, and, he mapped it to letters. He figured out what they were trying to say on <laughs> these things.
3: Which and, I'm sure
2: in the movie on in the set dressings, I'm sure they didn't really intend to say anything, probably. Right.
3: But um, they used it in the films afterwards. You know, the prequels. Um, mm-hmm. So all these details turned the the star Wars the West End game stuff into like a reference library for a Star Wars universe, and they say Lucasfilm actually sent copies uh to other e u developers to use the source materials um and it was in the eighty nine was when was when uh Timothy zahn, who's the author of this book, got
2: the call to uh do a star wars uh trilogy and so that's actually interesting that's something that i wasn't I wasn't sure about so it was he got a call from basically. Lucasfilm, Lucas, or... yeah.
3: Bantam, yeah. Who was his publisher? Contacted him, and they kind of said, "Listen, um, it was his agent, and he was writing a book for Bantam already. He was writing—I'm um I'm not sure if he was writing in that Conquerors trilogy yet or not, which are really good books. If you have, I
2: it. think that may have come out later, but
4: yeah, I maybe it was though. later.
3: But anyway, he was writing his first book for for them, and then he got a call from his agent saying that they got an offer, so." They offered a book that him to write them. And I think um he's like definitely probably my favorite Star Wars artist. I've met him a couple of times at conventions. He's a super, super nice guy and he'll he'll BS with you a little bit <laughs> Um if you have any questions. He's a cool guy. But um and really that is what it's not and I said before, it's what ignited my fandom again, because I was done with Star Wars. You know, I was sort of like, eh. You know, again, it was like as a kid, you move on. And then when those books came out, and I was probably 15 or 16, I saw it in the store. It was Star Wars. And I was like, oh, look at this. And I'm a big reader, so I read it. And it just reignited my Star Wars fandom. It really hasn't gone away. And it did it for the whole, you know, everybody. It sort of, they became bestsellers. And all of a sudden, Star Wars was sort of a thing, again, a property that could be sold, at least as, as books. And then, of course, we know that video games and then new movies and stuff came afterwards. But this is what started the expanded universe, as we know it. This is what um, kept Star Wars fandom alive for quite some time. So anyway, I thought it would be good to kind of know where we are in the book universe as far as what Star Wars was before, which was not too much. (laughs) So...
2: I guess there was kind of, We said there were some comic books, and I think there was, was there a newspaper strip as well for yeah, a while?
3: Yeah, but they were terrible. The comics were not good mm-hmm. at all. Anyway, you guys want to talk about the characters before we get into
2: the story a little bit? Sure. Okay.
1: This book came out hard copy in 1991 and paperback in 1992. We should right.
2: probably say that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, very important, and yeah, that's uh, I guess I told that and told that story in the first. So,
1: okay, episode. how old were you in 1991, Joe? You <laughs> so were like old, a old, baby, weren't old, you?
2: Old, <laughs> old. Well, considering I was I was I was born in 1981, so that would make 10. me ten. Right. Yeah, uh, and you were But I picked I, I picked up the bo- I picked up this book in paperback, so it was 1992. So I was 11. So I was much much yeah. more Uh-oh. mature than I had been when I was 10 years old. And I was
1: a junior. <laughs>
2: Me
3: too. I was junior <laughs> I was a junior in high school. I was uh 16, almost 17.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean when I was a kid I was a I was a big reader and uh you know maybe to to the fault of me not having that many friends or something like that, but um but I actually I very specifically aside from the story that I told previously remember that I you know saw the book in the Coles bookstore and and all that, I do remember that we bought the I bought the book. I guess probably my mom bought me the book cuz I was 11 so I didn't have money. But uh, I think very shortly after we bought the book, I actually went on a camping trip with my family. We'd always go camping in the summer. And basically that entire camping trip, I didn't go fishing. I didn't like go biking. I didn't do any camping stuff. I, I sat at a picnic table or in the tent or whatever. And nerd. I read this book. Yes, I'm a <laughs> nerd. Sorry, oh. Joe. <laughs> I, I, I embrace my, my nerdish. Can we really issues.
3: call anybody? In, I think that we're sort we're of. We're doing a podcast yeah. about
2: Star Wars <laughs> Are
3: we like now differentiating between us, who's nerdier? I mean, we're in big trouble then. <laughs> you know, we're like, the, are, we, are we the cool kids, with like a letter jack Letterman jacket? It's on? called
1: self-deprecation. I know, I'm just, I'm just joking.
3: We're all nerds. We're all we're all nerds here. How are you? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Everything's fine right, here.
3: So let's just talk about. I wanted to talk about some of the characters that we haven't seen. The, the, the interesting thing about this book, compared to Millennium Falcon and compared to so much EU that I've read over all the years, is that holy cow, these characters are more, are closer to what we saw in the movies. You know, it's like, we're five years off from Jedi, so it's it's a weird kind of, when you, from where we were last month with Millennium Falcon to go back, back in time to (laughs) um, this book, it's like, oh, this is a little bit more refreshing. I was like, oh, okay. So, but there are a bunch of new characters um, and I think some of these characters are just really great,
2: great. And I mean, characters. the bulk the bulk of these new characters endure. Like, oh, these yes. aren't just one offs. No. Some of them, or there's a few of them that are, but kind of the big ones that that are memorable from this series. Oh, absolutely. Play huge roles in, in the rest of the EU.
3: So the very first kind of significant character that we meet is uh, J- Captain Pellion, um, who is in charge of the uh, Star Destroyer Chimera, um, and he's sort of. What I what uh what I would describe him as is, is like just a, a soldier, you know, like a good soldier, and I was like, and and you kind of get the sense from him that Timothy Zahn was like wanted to very much say that this guy was just an officer, a loyal officer, but he's not some evil, you know. He's,
2: he's not like a maniacal imperial officer. He's right. just like a standard. This this is like a normal imperial officer. They're they're probably not horrible people, and they just sometimes have to do pretty crappy things. Yeah,
3: and um, and he his character goes on, um, you you know, spoiler alert, we're in the spoiler section, so whatever. <laughs> he he be, you know, there's a there's a galactic alliance, and he's sort of involved in that as an admiral. You know, he's his character endures, like you said. What did you think of him, Jen? Kind of just uh, like standard cookie cutter. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah all
2: right yeah he's got a mustache
3: he didn't make
1: an impression on me right
2: but but i think that's the point he's not really intended to make an impression at least at this point
3: yeah um but then the character that does leave the impression is our second major character which is grand admiral thrawn grand admiral thrawn (laughs) who is a fascinating fascinating character
4: i almost
2: want to say and and maybe it's kind of belittling a little bit but he's kind of like the lex Luthor of star wars Mm
4: -hmm.
2: (laughs) yeah just not without a big dumb
3: like robot suit or something right (laughs) but like he you know for a while when you're you're reading reading or listening you're kind of like thrawn isn't he's all right i mean he's just like he just wasn't imperial but then you know he starts killing like you know ensigns and stuff or whatever you're like all right he's a little bit he's evil
2: um, and frankly, it's like much more chilling when he does yes. it yeah. than when Vader does it. You know? <laughs> like, I
1: wasn't af- I wasn't sure whether I should be afraid of him or not. At first, he didn't seem, you know, Vader scary. But he's just like yeah, really smart. Kind of yeah, thing. And then, he yeah, is. Yeah, and stuff. he's an art snob. Right.
3: Which I think yeah. is the, that's the fascinating thing about him is that the way he learns about an enemy is to study their art. He says you can learn everything that you need to know about a species from their art. Which I found pretty interesting. At least it was an interesting sort of take on on how he sort of interpreted his tactics for um, for individuals. I thought that was a pretty cool. And yeah, he loves art. He sits there with the holographic art in his little command, his like sort of meditation slash
2: command.
1: Yeah, chair. he's his definitely office. more cultured. He's right. more cultured than than Vader ever was.
2: Oh yeah. Backgrounds yeah, completely played,
1: different, I'm sure. Yeah,
2: and I think they play that off pretty well in the the newer audio production with uh, kind of his voice. It sounds very cultured. He has kind of like a very Ariadite. nice, yes. yeah, very nice <laughs> accent. And well,
3: remember when I said I, I was like Benedict Cumberbatch could play him? This guy kind of sounded like Benedict
2: Cumberbatch
3: when he was doing Thrawn, mm-hmm. so it kind of fit for me. Yeah. Again, these audiobooks, the performances on them are just are just really really well done. But Thrawn is a is a great character, and, and as the story goes on you know when he shows up uh on a planet you're going to like oh crap you know like there's It's gonna, over like yeah, you're going to just give up very very cool villain and he's going to certainly we're going to be talking about him for the next two podcasts because his character will be the main adversary in these books I'm not sure but or what the timing is but okay well we have in on Coruscant. there's a new sort of um I guess you could say he's a adversary of like Admiral Ackbar. He's a, that also Senator ba- Borsk that jerk of a Bothan. He's the Bothans? he's in charge of the many
2: the many Bothans that died.
3: <laughs>
1: he's the Bothan that didn't die. Right, darn exactly. it.
3: There was a um, there was a comic that was um, it's a goofy comic. It's called Tag and Bank. I don't know if you guys have ever seen him, but it's sort of like a comedy Star Wars comic where these two characters are sort of weaved into trilogy and in both trilogies and uh they're sort of involved in getting the, the death star plans for the in right. the, the second death star and they got it from a guy named manny bothans <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: and he got a, sh- a whole shot through him by Bola right so right,
4: manny
2: manny bothans right
3: him. it was pretty it was stupid but funny let's
2: see who and then
3: uh there is the the nutty uh jedi joe ruis Sabiath.
2: Um, yes, that's the that's the pronunciation that I hadn't. Is been... it
1: Jorith or Joruith? Joruith.
2: Joruith. It's and that's very it's very explicit because there's two U's in his name and that comes up we'll talk about that later on, I in think. The, in the
3: third book that will be relevant. And,
1: oh yeah, that's yes. the way he pronounces it. Yeah, that's right.
3: Yeah, Joruith
2: Sabayoth.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And um we find out that he's not like a genuine uh missing uh Jedi Master. He's a clone. Of a Jedi Master mm-hmm. who died uh, before the Clone Wars happened,
1: and uh, what was the name of the the uh, Clone Wars novel? Was it um, Outbound Flight?
2: Outbound Flight.
3: Yes. Is that's the really... first
1: time I heard of that character, yep. or at least his his original copy.
2: Yeah. So this is this is where they they first refer to that project, which sparks that book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Timothy Zahn wrote
3: that, and it was meant to, to be a prequel to, and to sort of make an effort to. We've somehow the inconsistencies in this book which are gonna naturally come into uh regular star Wars history so uh that's a any listen any any Zahn book that you get it's gonna be good. I haven't read a bad one yet. I really haven't they're all great. He has a couple of they're based just on with Mara Jade uh, I can't recommend those enough but anyway we will we'll get those later mm-hmm. sure um and we, speaking of marriage aid
1: yeah let's talk about her
3: yeah there's the big one i was getting
4: there
3: yeah but um she's uh with this talon card guy who is a smuggler sort of chief king, chief kingpin mm-hmm. he's kind of
2: like the dude that took over after Jabba, Jabba died yeah. yeah
3: and she's at first she's just sort of his what would you say like his uh
1: right hand man right hand lieutenant woman.
3: yeah kind of a snoop You know, she's kind of like, you know, knows how to do everything better than anybody else and whatever. But you don't really get a sense of of her deeper uh, purpose, which, of course, is that she wants to kill Luke Skywalker really bad.
4: (laughs) And uh, he's
1: really, I like the way, I mean, Talon Card is very interested in her background. He doesn't know where she came from. Yeah, She has a very good handle on, um, like you said, she knows how to do everything, but she's She um, does her job. She uh, manages well. uh, She's a great pilot. All these things. And he's like, what? Where did she come from?
2: And I think that's the thing. I mean, Talon Card lives and dies by information. Right. Mm -hmm. And so here's this person that he's basically trusting with his organization, you know, to a certain extent. And he doesn't know a lot about her. So, you know, I think that would be kind of an issue for him. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Um, she's definitely, I mean, there's a reason that she became a popular character, even though in this book, she more annoys you than anything. She comes across a little whiny, she's, you know, whiny and petulant. There's
1: and, another word I would use. that starts with a B. Right.
3: <laughs> and I think that maybe, um, it comes a lot for, if you've listened to the audiobook from the, from the, uh, the performer's performance of her, which is very like, meh, 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 Yeah. Kind of like, geez, Louise, take a pill. All right. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know,
1: well,
3: so, I mean, I'm, she is, I, I never pictured her more as petulant, more just kind of like cold,
1: angry. Mm-hmm, yeah, me too.
3: So, you know, I, I guess it, it's all in that performance, but again, she, her character is a character that grows very, very
1: much. You know what I wanted to know more of, uh, you know, as I, I was listening about her, um, all the others, was she, was she Sith? She was Emperor's Hand, but was she a Sith? No. I don't think,
2: not really. Because
1: it doesn't sound like it in listening to this story. It just sounded like she was an agent. Yeah, there's. I
2: think she had just (laughs) enough training, let's Mm -hmm. say, to to do what she needed to do.
1: Like Grievous. Yes. Yeah.
3: There's a book called um, Allegiance. That's a Mara Jade book. And it sort of- No, I love that book. Yeah, that's sort of, you get a, a better sense of sort of- that she's just sort of the emperor's, you know, cleanup girl. And he sends her out to like,
2: take care of things. And she's been trained, but it's like, she's force sensitive, but he's like, I'm going to give you enough tools so that I can speak to you in your brain. And, you know, you can hold your own, but you are not going to like, you know, be a threat to anybody, to me or Vader, as much as she didn't think that Vader was much. She (laughs) doesn't have a very high opinion of Vader. Let's say.
3: Yeah, it's funny. And I, 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 before even you knew that he was cry- whiny Anakin, you're like, you oh, know, what are you talking about, man? Vader was great. And you know, maybe Vader wasn't that great. <laughs>
2: yeah, maybe Mary Jane had the right idea. <laughs> yeah.
3: But um, she's she's a great character. And it, she's, I mean, she just, you kind of, in this book, she's more of just like the other sort of force person in this book that's not evil, that's not good.
1: She's n- neutral.
3: neutral. I, she's also, I think
1: she feels like she she's lost. Yeah. She doesn't have a purpose anymore. And she's okay. angry that she doesn't have a purpose.
3: Yeah. I love, I love, um, we'll get into it again the story in a, a couple few, but, um, I love that when she kind of talks about how she c- could have killed him if she wanted to kill him, I guess at Jabba's palace. And then, uh, you know, he wouldn't, Jabba wouldn't let her go, <laughs> which is it was just like, I
1: was like, what? Jabba wouldn't let you go.
3: Right. Like, <laughs> right weird but uh you know but <laughs> i guess they they wanted to have her somehow luke have some recognition of hers for some reason anyway those are the new characters and then of course there's all the, the old favorites all show up in this book um for sure and there's you know obi-wan even right in the beginning A little obi-wan dream but um <clears throat> let's just dive into the story here so the beginning of the book uh starts off on the star destroyer chimera and uh They've had a raid on Obroa Sky, Um, which is a kind
2: of the library world.
3: Right.
1: That is the most awesome name ever. It is. It's a cool
3: name for a system. (laughs) So uh, the task, the uh, retaliation by the Obroa Sky people is just you know Thrawn just whoops them, and um, that's a pretty interesting little intro. Intro to the Imperials. It doesn't really tell you too much, but it tells you that there's a new, new admiral. and, then, and I guess this is
2: the first time we're introduced to the term Grand, Grand admiral, admiral, which is right? like, you know, it's, it's like an admiral, but turned up to 11.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Luke is, is uh, in his, in his uh, Betty Bye time and Obi-Wan comes and tells him, you know, I'm not going to be hanging out with you anymore. Um, he has to, I have to go back to my planet now. Or whatever. (laughs) But he kind of tells him that he's not going to be able to contact him anymore. The distances are too far. and That Luke, you know, is not the the last of the Jedi. That he is the first of the new. And that Leia kind of senses Luke's like in some kind of a depression. And, you know, sends C-3PO to talk to him. Which I thought was a cool little...
1: I was going to say, yeah, I really liked that exchange between... In the struggle that Luke was having with losing his mentor again. Right. Because you didn't really think about that. I mean, he would naturally go through a depression if he's he's lost Obi-Wan a second time and he's not coming back. He's joining the force. Am I right? That's what was happening to. Obi Yeah, Obi-Wan. exactly. Not that Basically,
2: the- he was being pulled, pulled away like he couldn't stay <laughs> in, in this state, this kind of uh, purgatory, I guess, that he put himself in so he could continue communicating with Luke.
3: Yeah, that was a, and and it kind of shows you that Leia's started to um, sort of have some Jedi abilities, if even if they're not very impressive or obvious. She still has a sense of, of Luke, and she's able to sort of tell what's going on with him. And at the same time, Han Solo's on in Mos Eisley, uh, trying to uh, get some smugglers to work for the New Republic to work as cargo ships to uh, kind of get commerce going again. And he gets turned down pretty hard um, <laughs> because uh, nobody That's wants what?
2: to, nobody wants to work for the government. Cause he's gone respectable. He's gone
4: respectable.
2: Yeah. And I mean, this it's actually kind of another cool way. So, so far in this, this first little bit of the book, Zahn is really, really good at kind of introducing things to us about what has happened over the past five years without saying this happened and then this happened and then this happened. Right. So, like a kind of okay well the new republic's been kind of you know it started up and you know they're struggling and they took up you know they took up uh, residence in the imperial palace and you know han is out and about because they're forming a new government and you know things were having trouble and you know they need to to get commerce rolling so they need cargo ships because they don't have any because hey they were a rebel fighting force right so they have warships they have battle cruisers they have stuff like that but they don't have enough freighters to ship shoes to different places <laughs> and you know food and and whatever right and uh, nobody wants the job <laughs> exactly even though it's like easy money and <laughs>
1: The other thing is that uh, Luke, I mean, uh, Leia and Han aren't together as much because Leia is doing her diplomatic duty and Han is doing his going out and trying to recruit people and get those ships and things like that. And uh, she's pregnant. And it's kind of a hard time, (laughs) you know, when you're tired, when you're I can I can tell you when you first are pregnant, you're exhausted and imagining her having to do all of that work and. Um, just be, you know, all that is expected of her because she's the most experienced as an ambassador.
2: She's like the chief the ambassador, chief negotiator, kind yeah. of thing.
1: Yeah, they de- they're depending on her, and she, all she does, she just wants to re to <laughs> just kind of relax, and also she wants to be trained as a Jedi. But she's she's not as a, as um, excited about that as as Han is because he thinks it's a necessary thing, you right. know, for her own protection. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. Oh, no, that's fine.
3: That's a good that's a good point. Yeah. That's There's all the characters are sort of have their um their sort they sort of dif- their difficulties in this book for sure and like they're they're growing beyond what we knew in Return of the Jedi. Uh if I was going to give this book one my major like sort of cringe factor with it is like the constant like sort of reuse of like I have a bad feeling
2: about this. Ah uh, yes. And crap. Yeah, like, but I guess the thing is, you look at that now, and it's kind of cringeworthy. But then, like that's that's what we had, right? Well, that's
3: why it's I the said, first
1: time they used it too, probably.
3: Right, and I understand. I understand, yeah. I understand that, that. Like in '91, that was like it was like, like they had to it do was, these callbacks. It, yeah, it know? was callback to the to the movies, which were the only thing. So I get it, but like now, 20 years hence, you're kind of like. Uh, and they keep saying the same lines didn't I just leave this party and blah 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 you're like yeah 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 yeah. I get it but I mean I'm not going to fault them for that that's just time that's just 24 years since or 23 years since the book came out so I'm not going to but that when you're listening to it or reading it now you're kind of like oh it's a little precious isn't it just a little bit
1: (laughs) kill your darlings
3: yeah so now we go to the uh, the planet Merkur which is quite a name and we meet the smuggler named Talon Card, and he has a, a lieutenant named Mara Jade, and they're helping uh, the Grand Admiral Thrawn and Captain Pellian are getting they, these creatures that are in the forest called Isola Miri. I think
2: As I, I said, said, just being neighborly.
3: Right. And um, so we're introduced to uh, Mara and Talon, and we just kind of talked about them a little bit earlier. But, you know, interesting little exchange between them about you know where she where he wants her to take on more responsibility and he she thinks he's kind of gonna hit on her
2: and that's yeah right. it's kind of like all set up as this little like right. romantic dinner
3: and that's not like that at all they don't know why they you know they they don't know what they really want with the creatures and then the uh thrawn uh takes the chimera to the Emperor's storehouse on a planet called wayland and um they're looking for the guardian of the storehouse. And and there's a little bit of an exchange where, like, you know, this Joris Sabayath guy comes down and says, you know, I'm not the uh
2: the guardian. guardian,
3: but I'll take you to him. Like, oh, there's a little Yoda action going on, right? And then mm-hmm, and then he takes them into the storehouse and springs a trap on them, which doesn't work because he tries to use force lightning on him. But guess what? The islamiri can repel the force. This
2: is this was part
3: of Thrawn's plan to use Use a Jedi to his purposes.
2: Right, like he didn't know that it was going to be this this Sabaoth guy, but he his yeah. assumption, you know, given the given his knowledge of, of the Emperor, was that the Guardian was likely going to be a Dark Jedi. Yes, Sabayoth doesn't have much of a choice,
3: but he does offer his services if he can get Luke and Leia, because you know, Thrawn tells him that there's two Jedi's out there now, and they're twins. And he's like,
4: what? Yeah. And,
3: and
1: one of them's pregnant.
3: So, so there's actually four with of twins,
1: them, with twins, no <laughs> less.
3: Yes. Thrawn sends. This is a this part in the book is that Luke, Leia, and Han go on a, a diplomatic mission to this planet called Bimisari, and immediately it's like something hinky's going on. It's like no, no, we, we're gonna take you over here to this marketplace. Yeah, it's
2: like oh, the negotiator is sick. Right. Yeah, he got sick.
3: <laughs> and these gray uh, skinned creatures, sort of short, mean looking dudes, try to uh, toothy.
1: Toothy. Yes,
2: needle teeth and
3: they are uh luke is off on his own in like a museum and uh leia, han and leia are in the market and they sort of try to uh they're sp- attacking them with these stokely spray stick things and trying to capture them not necessarily kill them and or at least not
2: leia and and luke i leia guess they could han. They, they couldn't care about han but
3: but they get out of it uh luke luke um you know, he's a Jedi, after all, and has a lightsaber. And uh, there's a, a pretty cool uh, little action sequence that goes on in there.
2: Right, and I guess coincidentally it was interesting that when they they got out of the Falcon on this planet, they they basically said, oh, no, no weapons, so Han, Han didn't have his blaster and right. and all that. But I guess they let Luke through because they figured that, oh, a lightsaber is just part of a Jedi's attire. Right. It's not really a weapon. So luckily Luke had his, or maybe conveniently, yeah. Luke had his, uh, his, his lightsaber with him.
3: I just think it's funny that, like... You know they they leave the planet and the people are like no come back and we're, that was we're sorry and, and oh, like, yeah. you, you realize
2: that we almost got killed
3: and right? Leia's like yeah we're gonna come back and then Han just like leaves <laughs> he like punches it into hyperspace <laughs> and right, that was tower. the best
2: part yeah Leia just comes up and he's like oh no no we jumped into hyperspace like ten minutes ago yeah he's like, <laughs> what
4: that
3: was great you know they, they fail and and Sabayoth is like where where's my Jedi Grand Admiral Thrawn
2: I do like his voice it's very like. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it, but
3: Yeah. So Throne convinces uh Sabayoth to seek Luke and the Empire is gonna focus on getting Leia and Han, like I said, decides to not <laughs> We're gonna he wants to he wants to take uh, go back to Coruscant and get a little maybe a task force to go back to Bimassari and not just send the Millennium Falcon with a couple people. Um, Admiral Akbar agrees with Han, but that Failure jerk, you know, figures that's not a good thing. But then in this in this in this time frame, Thrawn starts launching um, sort of hit and run attacks with like they call it a hit and fade, where they would sort of attack a, a place and then just leave hyperspace away, sort of to put the systems on edge and let them know that the Empire is out there, sort of like terrorism almost. So then, <laughs> they go to Bipfash. This is a pl- I
2: know, Bipfash. Yeah, Bipfash. I just the planet names in this are awesome. So then there's another. These Nogri again try to get Leia, and, and again they can. Is this is this the one with the fake Falcon?
3: Yes, this is the one. This is a that is a pretty cool part with the with the uh, fake Falcon.
2: And or, actually, this is this is interesting because I I was a I know we talked about kind of the, the West End games, uh, you know source books. And all that stuff, because and here there's actually a little inconsistency, because the reason they find they that Han figures out and they all figure out that this ship that is coming to quote unquote save them is not actually the Falcon, is because they're not using the belly, the hidden kind right. of belly cannon or laser or whatever. And but if you actually go into some of the the source books, that 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 hidden laser cannon is actually apparently standard uh, equipment on a YT-1300 freighter. Oh, God, you're such a dork.
4: <laughs> Nerd <laughs> alert. Nerd yeah, alert. No. <laughs>
3: yep. Um,
2: so, so there's well, a little inconsistency there.
3: I would figure there'd be like a million reasons why he would know it's not the Falcon, especially when you say that, you know, when you, we know that the Falcon is sort of Han's work in progress and that he would sort of recognize it pretty easily.
2: Kind of be like, oh, yeah, the, the, that scratches in the wrong place. Right,
3: But it was a pretty funny little thing where like, they are like, no, come on, here's the Falcon. Like, Wait a second. <laughs> yeah. So that was, a, that was but they, again, they fail. I mean, these, these no agree. As we, like, find out,
2: as we find out, they're called, yes.
3: Yes, we find out later. We, we don't know that till later on, but that's what, that's what we know them as. But they decide to go visit Lando's system. Or no, wait, sorry. <laughs> no, they decide to, Lando's got some business uh, thing going on in this place called Naklan where they have to, where the sun is so hot that they have to, like, go behind a shield ship. This big, huge, like umbrella that they have to fly behind to get to where Lando is,
2: and this and, is actually some foreshadowing here. So when when they get there, they say, "Oh, well, if you just rig up your ship to our ship using, I guess, what they call a slave, slave circuit, circuit, then you know we can just do a micro jump and we'll be there in like ten minutes." And Han's like, "No slave shit, no slave circuits on the Falcon." Blah blah blah. I won't let a computer fly my ship, and so it takes them like ten hours or something.
3: Luke, um, we should say that during this same time, Luke decides to go to Dagobah. Um, you mean uh,
1: Dagobah?
3: He goes to Dagobah.
2: <laughs> Dagobah system.
3: He goes to Dagobah and um, I guess because he's, he's bummed out and he wants to make, he's just kind of hoping that maybe Lyota, Le- there's something, He's plus he was, at the, he's, uh, earlier on he was thinking about Dark Jedi and then he thought about the cave on Dagobah. And thought maybe that, and Leia and him sort of were discussing that there was a, or Leia, I'm not sure if this was independent, I can't remember, but I think Leia was also thinking about the dark Jedis that were sort of killed. This is before there was a word called Sith, but, um, and he goes to Dagobah to sort of, you know, maybe take a look, and he finds, R2 finds this metal cylinder that's sending out a signal, and and then...
2: uh, Of course it's in the
3: cave. It's in the cave, and... R2 says that Lando would be the best person to um, bring it to. So Luke kind of shows up to Niklan at the same time as Han and Leia do.
2: Coincidentally again. Yeah.
3: And then, you know, Lando tells them, you know, what he's got. He's got these mole miner things. He says, oh, 51 of them were were stolen by the Empire on on another one of those sort of... um,
2: well doesn't the don't the Imperials show up yeah, they it's show kind of, up yeah, so this was so yeah, the Imperials kind of yeah. show up, and they had one of their star destroyers kind of kitted out to not need need yeah. this shield ship, and basically they show up just long enough to steal these mole miners, yes,
3: which will come back later,
2: mm-hmm. Whatever. And I guess it's interesting. So this this kind of Nalhan setup. So I guess then they land, and Lando kind of shows them around, and all this stuff. And this kind of very much mirrors his, you know, showing them around Cloud City. It's like, look at my new, you know, crazy idea.
3: Yeah, but it's funny that, um, this is also it's not in this little breakdown that I'm kind of going off of, but this is sort of the part where <clears throat> the book they decide to Dark Tower it, which is all the characters are now going to go
2: do their own. Thing. There are
3: separate ways. Um, they decide that Leia. Is going to go with Chewie to uh, Kashyyyk, even though apparently since the Empire has had been charged that Wookies are not too fond of humans because of the whole slavery thing. Understandably, right? Chewbacca assures her that she'll be the or Han that she'll be safe, and they rig up C-3PO, to, who's going to go with Han and Lando, to be Prince, uh, to have Princess Leia's voice and to be able to interact. <clears throat> With uh, people on uh, transmissions as Leia, so they as a,
2: as a deception,
3: which three PO does not take to at all. He doesn't appreciate his
2: voice being changed and doesn't. Well, fight. they had to do some pretty crazy right. hacking, right? They had to go around like all his firewall and, yes. and all this. They kind of talk about it, like his Watch Guard programs and all this. Thing. And if right. they mess up, they would basically like totally destroy his personality. Which
3: yeah, but out.
1: Winter was seeing through it.
2: Oh,
3: she did.
1: But she played oh, along. Yeah.
3: I do like a part, the, another part, when you're talking about the we're talking about the droids, where um, you find out that R2, you know, it's standard procedure to wipe Astromech memories, but that R2 and the X-wing, Luke's X-wing, are so in sync that Luke hasn't allowed anything, hasn't allowed the X-wing's computer to be wiped, and of course he wouldn't allow r uh, R2 to be wiped. But that's a little interesting thing that you know, again, the regard that the uh, Star Wars universe has for droids. It's like, yeah, just mind, wipe their minds. Who cares?
2: Yeah, it's like whatever. They're machines. Like, but they're
3: that our, our main characters sort of think of them more as friends, and they wouldn't want, they don't want that to happen. but so.
2: right, you got to reinstall R2's version of Windows every couple of months Otherwise, yeah. he gets really slow, you know? So that's an interesting little...
1: <laughs> R2 does not run on Windows. He's too cool.
3: No. He R2 is the uh, main character of these movies, I think. So Han and Lando decide that they're going to um, visit Talon Card.
2: I found that part a little bit interesting where Lando's got this whole big business running and then all of a sudden he's like, oh, I need to make a shopping trip off World anyways. I'm going to come with
3: yeah. you. <laughs> it was a little weird. But and we, then, did, we need Because it seems
2: like, yeah, it seems like they haven't seen each other in five years. Yeah. That, that's kind of my take on it. And now it's kind of like, yeah, let's, let's go on a trip. Right. We're buddies, boys trip, whatever. They have a message that,
3: um, they send out uh, intentionally to, uh, and like you said, it was to Winter, who who knows that there's something screwy, Lily, going mm-hmm. on, but doesn't blow doesn't blow it. She just wants to just can I talk to Captain Solo, you know? But uh, the Chimera intercepts the message, um, and Thrawn knows that it's it's like r- this is a scam, this is bullcrap, and then he's able to kind of figure out how they split up. You know, like and where they probably
2: like where Leia is. And I mean, he's basically like, you know, Solo won't let a machine fly his ship and then they kind of figure out. So it's either the Wookiee and Leia or blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So he basically figures out that they went to they went to Kashyyyk. Yes.
3: We'll get to Kashyyyk in a little bit. Mm-hmm. but now, uh, is
2: this i know this was the book that named coruscant is this the book that named Kashyyyk as yes. well
3: yeah uh mm-hmm. i'm not sure if it was but i know that i mean kashik was shown remember on the star wars holiday special
2: <laughs> yes that yeah. is true
3: but i don't God. think that they called it kashik i think they called it the, the Wookiee home planet i don't think they ever really called it kashik right so i'm pretty sure this was since this is you know the first real extended universe novel i'm pretty sure it's the first one that named it and again there's something that made its way into um the movies, the movies, in episode three, complete with three Y's. Yes. Kashik. Kashik. I, I used to call it for a while. I think. Mm-hmm.
1: I've heard it pronounced that way too. Yeah. I I learned how to say it after playing Knights of the Old Republic.
3: Ah, yes. that's and that and there's later on in the book when they go when they're talking about going down to the ground mm-hmm. on Kashyyyk. I'm like I remember that part.
1: Mm-hmm. And, I've been and, there. Yeah. yeah. It's dangerous. <laughs> it is
3: dangerous. <laughs> so throwing. Nearly gets a hold of Luke, but he's able. Luke, that part is pretty cool. Kind of shows. I
2: love that part. Yeah, where
3: Luke is 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 a pretty able pilot, you know, and is sort of really. And that
2: makes, then that makes sense. That's kind of.
3: I mean, like, like, you know, really just gets away from a star destroyer that's got him tractor beamed. I mean, it's pretty impressive. He's able. Yeah, to, and
2: he like dumps a proton torpedo, torpedo, and it gets sucked into the tractor beam,
3: pretty and. Cool. And that's this is the part. um, so uh, Luke gets away, and, you know, it's sort of like that Vader moment, you know, where...
2: <laughs> yeah, this is so well done.
3: Yeah, where where he goes, where, where kind of Thrawn goes behind the tech, and he's like, you know, what happened? And he's like, blah, 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 were you trained for this? And who is your officer? And he brings the officer over, and it's... And you're like, oh,
2: okay, wait, okay. he's going to kill the officer, he's going to kill the officer.
3: And he says, what's the difference between an error and a mistake, right? Oh. <laughs> and he kills the poor you know tech or his no greed uh assassin does and he yeah, says whatever. he's fixed his mistake <laughs> mistake
2: has been corrected. corrected that's correct don't make don't let it happen again so yes. train a new loser. Right.
3: yeah exactly so that's the point we're kind of like okay so this guy's, he's not he's not just an imperial he's definitely uh a little twisted.
2: Yeah, but it's just like it's so calm and it's so calculated. Oh, yeah. It's just like and it's there's misdirection. You're like, OK, he's going to he's going to pull a Vader. He's going to kill, you know, the, the the technician guy. And then he pull, rolls over to the officer. And you're like, oh, OK, he's going to kill the officer. But then, nope, kills the technician.
4: <laughs> Good stuff. Mm-hmm.
3: So then Luke is stranded in space because he burned out his um, hyper drive. I,
4: yeah.
3: He, he, I, thought,
1: I really like that scene. Yeah. Just him having, being tethered to the X-Wing.
2: And just kind of like stuck there in, in, mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere and like literally. And he's trying to like rig something and he's asking, you know, R2 like, I need like 12 kilometers yeah. of wire. Like, where can I get that? And, and I just think it's, yeah. And, and I just, it's just awesome. Cause I mean, that's like Luke was, you know, we, we saw in episode four, like he's a good mechanic and, you know, he worked on old machinery and stuff. So it makes sense that, you know, he could try and, and jury rig something and, you know, sadly, it doesn't seem to work. But
1: now it's been a while since I finished the book. Remind me how that happened. Was it he was fending off fighters or something? How did So basically
2: he, he, he was stuck in the tractor beam of the Star Destroyer, of the Chimera. Okay. And to get away, he had to do that that trick where he basically shot the proton torpedo and he had to like reverse power through like something. And in doing that he blew out his hyperdrive. So he was able to do a jump, but he jumped for like five seconds or something.
3: Yeah, the Chimera registered the proton torpedo as his X-Wing.
2: Yeah, so then he missed the lock. But then, so what happened is that, so Thrawn knew that. Thrawn's like, oh, well, he got away, but I know that he did this trick, which is going to blow out his hyperdrive. So he's probably somewhere in, you know, five light years or something, which I guess isn't a very big area of space for them. Right. Yeah,
3: so he gets on the...
2: On the uh, wild card, which is town card ship. Right, so then, because yeah, Thrawn kind of basically calls all the local yep. you know, smugglers and bad guys and stuff and says, hey, there's an X Wing that's somewhere around here. Find it and we'll give you money.
3: <laughs> he gets, uh, Luke gets sort of KO'd. <laughs> and he, he uh, realizes he can't use the uh, force or anything. And then he wakes up and he's on a planet. He knows he's on a planet. He's not on the ship anymore. Marriage Jade's in the room with him being sort of jerky.
2: And holding his lightsaber. Holding has his on her lightsaber.
3: Belt. And he can't use the Force. He can't sense anything. He's all doesn't know what's going on.
2: And she's really snippy about it.
3: Oh, yeah. <laughs> what's the matter? And Card doesn't really know what to do with Luke. He's sort of like, you know, I don't know. I mean, and we find out sort of later on that a lot of Card's people sort of feel that they owe Luke a debt. Because when when Jabba got killed, like all their um, a lot of their their debts and stuff sort of went away, <laughs> and, you know. So kind of some some of the people in Card's crew sort of like dig Luke. They're yeah, like, it's
2: like you know, let's let's throw him a party and send him on his way. But Mara obviously does not think that's a good idea, <laughs> and Card just isn't sure what to do. He's kind of like, well, I got this is pretty. He's a pretty valuable guy. There's there's a price on his head. You know, maybe we should just give him to the Empire and.
1: Yeah, he's also picking up on Mara's. Hatred of him. Yes, he's like, what is your deal?
2: Yes, yeah, like this doesn't make sense because I guess the reason they they found him in the first place was because I guess his last kind of ditch effort was to do the the Cloud City thing, you know, like Leia, hear me, kind of a thing. But but Mara, I guess, kind of picked up on it. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. And so they kind of he she they were on a run in the Wild Card, which is uh, that that's something that that's interesting to bring up too. Is card the name names of all of Card's ships are kind of little but his ship is the wild card and then he has another ship called like the ether way but i guess it's you know the either way right so it's just it's kind of funny but his
3: his pets are named sturm and drang too by the way
2: yes
1: you were mentioning uh luke being stranded and calling for leia
2: right yeah so then they were kind of on a run in the wild card i guess going back to murker and mara actually made them drop out of hyperspace in the middle of nowhere and they kind of landed right on top of, of Luke's it's disabled different. X-Wing.
1: Have you all seen? Of course, you have Space Balls. Yeah. Yes. The Winnebago when it dies. <laughs> <Eagle> five.
2: <laughs> I was thinking yep.
1: of that whenever <laughs> Luke's ship's dead in space. It's broke she down. Comes up on it.
4: <laughs> so. Sorry.
1: <laughs>
3: So uh, around this time, Han is using C-3PO to transmit a message to Coruscant, and they sort of have this little coded conversation about the neighbors, and they kind of figure out, they piece it together that um, Phalia is trying to push Akbar out of the uh, New Republic.
2: So it's a political intrigue. Phalia and Akbar kind of, they they don't love each other at at all. all. Akbar is. Faile is just kind of like a counselor. Akbar is kind. Is he the? He's the supreme commander. Yeah,
3: he's like. He's like. Um, he's not Mon Mothma, who's like the president. I guess he's sort of. He's in
2: charge of the armed military. Forces. Yeah,
3: yeah. Han and Lando are going to go meet with a smuggler in this pretty f- funny little bit in this uh, gambling
2: hall. Oh, that was a good bit. Where you know <clears throat>
3: the guy plants the uh, fake card, and you know they break. And I guess this is
2: also the introduction of Sabak.
3: Yes, you kind of you kind of get that it's sort of a lot like poker.
2: Basically, <laughs> poker where the cards change. Yes.
1: Curious buck.
3: Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the guy ends up taking them to meet a th- uh, card um which is not like c- you know, cards not totally thrilled but, you know, guests.
2: <laughs> yeah, basically they kind of like back this guy into a corner cuz they kind of helped him out and his ship got impounded and so he's like, "Well, if you need to get to where you're going, we can take you there. (laughs) And then they make this deal where it's like, okay, well I'm going to set the computer and you know, I'm locking it and you won't know where you are. And they're like, whatever, it's fine.
3: Yeah. So Leia and Chewie are on
2: uh, Kashyyyk,
3: um, which is really almost a like useless trip when you actually think about it in the story. Yeah,
1: I was disappointed. I wanted more.
3: Yeah. Cause (laughs) like, (laughs) Oh, and here, oh, here's my number two problem with the audiobook. The voice for that Wookiee. I wanted to, like, rip
4: my mm-hmm. ears out of <laughs> it.
2: I was wondering how they were mm, going to
4: do
2: uh...
1: that.
2: No. <laughs> 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 The guy that's guy
3: was pretty
1: good, Chris. That's, that's good. what he was
3: doing though. He was doing like the well, he was doing the he would go no Christmas, <laughs> and they would like talking. It
1: went on and on. Like, if it was I was like, yes,
2: we know you do have a speech impediment.
1: Clearly, I,
3: my um my choice would have been to maybe just do like a grumbly voice.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: In defense of the narrator, yeah, how would you little... do a Wookie voice? I would like. I, I mean, said, I would just like,
2: kind of speak English. <laughs>
3: yeah, well, be like,
1: he was, but. Yeah.
3: Counselor Leia, I don't know I wouldn't have been like, so it was kind of like a whiny wookie voice is a problem, that's what he went with and it was like, uh.
1: And the whole reason he could speak English was I, because he had a speech impediment. Which
2: was funny. Right. Because at first Leia's like, oh my god so Chewie has has had a speech impediment for this whole time and I could never understand him and he's yeah. like, no, 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 no. You got it totally wrong or, mm, no, you got it totally <laughs>
4: You got it wrong I have the one This a speech impediment
2: Um
3: <laughs> yeah, but that so they have a whole thing. She's she hangs out there for a while, and she's supposed to be private. anyway, those Nogri of course know where she is because Thrawn figured it to,
2: out. Yeah. Figured
3: it out, and they have a whole thing with them. And then there's an attack on them, and she you know uses her lightsaber, and one of the Nogri just sort of stands there with like his arms at his side when he sees the lightsaber, and doesn't do anything. And like Leia tells Chewie not to kill him, he just beats him in the head.
2: Throws them against the wall. Right, yeah. and
3: then they they get attacked by some ships, a ship, and then Leia sort of ties her um, lightsaber to like a rope and sort of flings it down and destroys the ship.
2: Right, and they're like hanging underneath right. the like elevated Wookiee yeah. city, and
3: that was pretty cool. That was neat. Yeah, but, I mean, again, the whole thing to Kashyyyk was like just useless because like they just left anyway.
2: Um, and I guess you know maybe this is my my ignorance because I don't have kids yet, but I, I feel like leia's doing a lot of crazy stuff. Yeah, and she's and pregnant. She, she's pregnant. And, you know, I know I know when people are pre- when women are pregnant, they're not sick or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But like she's really going through some punishment here. Yeah. Um, being
1: carried by a Chewie underneath uh, the bows And They're of, like,
2: yeah, with on his claws and they're swinging on yeah.
1: vines.
2: And like, it's
3: just hey, but really she's
1: in danger. You got to do what you got. to. Yeah. Do. Oh, exactly. I mean, I know.
3: And there's a and then there's a so she decides to question the Nogri um, and then the Nogri smells her. For an extended period of time,
1: and that was gross,
3: a little creepy, <laughs> right? And then he infor- he informs her that she's the um, Maladius, Maladius, and that she's the Lady Vader. She's Vader's um, heir, and that they revere him because Vader gave them hope after their planet was Destroy, ravaged. Her. And yeah. you know, you, you get the sense that during the battle that bad stuff happened, and you know, Vader gave them a line that the rebels were responsible, and. You know, so they, so, you know, he sort of doesn't want, um, Leia wants to go to his planet, but he's like, no, you'll kill everybody, or your people will kill everybody. And, uh, they decide to meet, um, over Endor in like a month. And that's something that doesn't ever get
2: resolved in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it, it was, it was, this part was, was cool because you kind of saw there was a lot of like Leia's thought processes of, okay, well, you know, I, I have this 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 pull on him, but I, it's not that strong because I'm also he also considers me a rebel. Right. So I kind of have to walk a line here where, you know, I'm the Lady Vader, but I still have to convince him that I'm on the up and up. Right. So I think it's cool. You get you get into her head of like, you know what she's good at. She's she's negotiating being a politician.
3: Yeah, they gave they kind of she, you know, they said that she draws on her Alderanian like royalty sort of roots where she's able to sort of, you put that air on a little bit because it's because yeah. he's be, sort a, of,
2: be a princess. You know?
3: Yeah. He's sort of treating her that way. So that was interesting. Um, it's always interesting to see uh, a little bit of uh, what Leia, when you know, think about Leia as a princess, we all forget that she was a princess.
2: Well, that's it. Cause in the movies you never see her as like a diplomat or, you know, a princess or, or whatever yeah. very much. She's always just kind of running and gunning, which is cool, but there's this whole other side to her too. Yeah.
3: that sort of, Pretty much wraps up Leia's
2: involvement in the book, um, except for near the end. Like basically, Leia's role in this book was to meet the Nogri and to be in danger. Yep. That was and be what,
1: pregnant. And, and be, be pregnant.
2: pregnant, yes.
1: I also have to ask you a question, though, regarding her training. Um, what did y'all think about how, usually, and I, and I understand this because Luke doesn't have any real background in how things were done in the past, you know, training Jedi. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to be a teacher. He doesn't. He's think just trying. He to, he's trying to it. figure
2: it out for himself.
4: He yeah, he even...
1: just does. Right, he doesn't think he's qualified. And so whenever Han is like, "She needs a lightsaber," he's like, "I'll make her one."
4: <laughs> he's like, "Wait,
1: wait, what? You're putting You're the cart before make... the horse here." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and she should make her own lightsaber. But okay. Yeah.
4: But
2: he doesn't know that. I mean, he was no. given. Well, a lightsaber. he made his
1: own lightsaber. He made his lightsaber.
2: He did. after so his so... original one was given to him. He lost oh, his no, first one, true. and then he made it. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, I thought that was funny. No, it, it is interesting, but and that's an interesting take, right? I think another one, kind of the reason that Luke told people that he was going to Dagobah wasn't because he was sad. It was because he's like, oh, I got to go find some stuff and see. And also it's interesting, <laughs> I keep thinking of things, but uh, Dagobah was like a big secret until yeah. until this book. Like He hadn't told anyone where his secret, quote-unquote, Jedi training ground was, and he finally tells Leia. <laughs> right. Because they, they bring up you know, Dagobah and, and the fact that this, was it a Bifashi dark Jedi or something? Yeah. Like they, when,
3: when... Well, they say that, that Bifash doesn't like Jedis because all there was a, their Jedis yeah. went, their, their quote unquote
2: Jedis went rogue during the Clone Wars. Right. And one of them was, was tracked down and hunted right. down on Dagobah. Yes. And Luke's like, oh, wow, that's coincidental. Yes. He basically goes to Dagobah, to see if you know there was anything he could find there, like training materials or anything that, that Yoda had left, so he could kind of learn about you know what to do, how yes. to train people, and more about the Jedi Order.
3: Yep. So back on Merker, uh, Card um, tells Mara that Han and Lando are in town,
2: and she, and she
3: freaks out. <laughs> she has a you know crap fit because you know, duh, they have Luke, and you It's know. like, "We
2: got Skywalker here. You realize that?"
3: So they move Luke to this shed where they. Like next to a shed where they kept R two. Good plan, by the way, guys. Way to go with that one. So they put Luke in in this shed, and then you know, Han and Leia sort of give him the like the, the sales pitch on working for the New Republic. Card kind of thinks about it. He's like, yeah, you know, probably not. But it's intriguing. It's an interesting offer, as he says.
2: <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah, he basically plays off fact. He's like, you know, I, I do have dealings with the Imperials as well. And, you know, yeah. I don't want to put myself on one side versus the other because then, you know, it's not good for my business. And, right. you know, playing the businessman. So
3: um, they're having dinner. And during this time, Thrawn shows up and tells him that uh, he needs more Islamiri, and that also that he's um, in the market for uh, ships. He wants ships. That's what Thrawn wants. And Thrawn insists on sending stormtroopers down to the planet, which Carr does not like. Love, yeah. And Han, at this time, Han and Lando are sort of with their this slicer guy that they're they're kind of they want they they're asking for help with from sort of is they're up there looking through like uh, binoculars sort of at what's going on. They see Thrawn, they see the troopers, they you know, and sort of this guy sort of spills the beans to them. <laughs> tells him
2: i mean he's like this this like nerdy computer yeah he kind of tells him
3: everything that's going that they captured somebody and that he's you know prisoner and he didn't know much about him and and so you know card's kind of like all right i mean they go out to the the shed to sort of see who the prisoner was but they figure they found out that luke left Now luke broke out by like finding out that r2 was in the shed next to him and him and r2 were able to um
2: Looks like MacGyver in this. Book. I know he
3: really is. He breaks <laughs> out of that thing with
2: he uses R2. like the power cell from his fake hand, and
3: they uh, Luke steals a um, a ship. What was it called? A skip ray. A skip ray blast boat. Blast boat, and he tears butt out of there. And then you know Han and Lando also see that happen, and then Mara Jade goes after him. So He's it's kind like, of like
2: oh yeah, it's like a disgruntled employee. Yeah,
3: no big deal. Don't yeah. worry about it. But they figure out that it was Luke. It doesn't take them much. They see the tracks on the floor where the droid was, and they then they find what was it like a little piece of Luke's hand or something. There was I something. thought
2: that was a little bit
3: yeah, I mean,
2: like the way they kind of come to that. It's like it's basically like they find a battery on the ground. They're like, this must be from Luke's hand. I mean, they had some like yeah logical train of thought because they used them in the rebellion, so they knew that the manufacturer was this, and it came from you know artificial limbs. But it was a little. A little bit like a uh, '60s Batman, <laughs> right? A little bit. Clearly, it's Luke's
3: hand, right? The Riddler. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's plug it into the Bat computer. <laughs> um, so then, Luke and Mara are—they've both crashed in the jungle, and there's bad, bad crap in the jungle. After a little bit of a struggle, they decide, sort of, that they're gonna sort of work together to get out of the jungle even though Mara just wants to blow up R2 and shoot Luke in the head even though it's not really the way she wanted to do it but she's like well whatever I'll take what I can get and it's sort of during this time that she sort of tells him what her deal is that she was the emperor's hand and that you know he took her life away from her and he just doesn't really – he never gives her any satisfaction other than, like, saying, I'm sorry. and Yes. I, <laughs> very Jedi. I that
2: wasn't my intention. And yeah. Kind of he,
3: like... he was very Canadian about
2: the whole thing. He is. That's, <laughs> I appreciated that.
3: Yeah. I'm sorry, eh? I, you know, I was just trying to kill that Jabba guy. And then, you know, the Emperor, he was shooting me with lightning. And, you know, my dad was like, hey, that's – you her, hey, that's not cool, eh? And tossed him off and – Thing. But he's like, but
2: see, yeah. the, the the thing with this is like, it's like this scene, and the way it was written, when she is like, like you can tell, like she is like angry, seething. And yes, seething, and it's just like, like it's it's chilling, like it,
5: mm-hmm. I don't know,
2: like, may, and maybe it's because I'm remembering back when I read it, you know, when I was when I was younger or anything, but I don't think so. I think it's just a really well done scene.
1: It is. I agree with you about that.
3: It is. It's very well written. There's no doubt about it. You can see that the, he really wanted that to be a very important part of the book. So it was very well written. And, they and just I think,
2: you know, like we, we kind of joked before about, oh, well, Jabba didn't let her go on right. on the sail barge and everything. But that's like that's life, right? Like how many times you look back on your life and like one little thing happened that basically like changed your entire life. You're right.
3: I've said it all the time. I say, you know, you can't change the past because your whole life would change. You don't know what really the little things that take you on the path to where you end up. So yeah, that is life. It's like, yeah, Jabba. And you know what? It wasn't a joke. I mean, Luke is a Jedi and he was captured by Jabba, right? Even though he kind of planned on it. But I mean, Mm -hmm. he's, you know, it was, you know, there was a lot of, a lot of Jabba had a lot of manpower. And he
2: did. And I think that's why at the end of the day, like there's nothing Mara could have done aside from like go on a killing spree. And she probably would have been cut down in the process. But
3: right. And, um, Luke and R2 figure out a way to send a coded message back to card space by using the uh, X-Wing and then...
2: Callback to earlier in the book. Yes, because R2
3: (laughs) and the X-Wing are so sort of ingrained that they can send a message that only the X-Wing can can, uh, decrypt. So that way Thrawn and them can't uh, figure out what they're saying. And then C-3PO sort of comes back later on and tells them, listen, you know... Here's what Card suggests that you sort of switch roles, and Marjorie's like, "No, we're not like, switching." I'm not, I'm
2: not giving him my gun. I'm and not my lightsaber, like, and so, but that's what uh, they, yeah, because had- well, yeah, because I guess the what happened is like you said, uh, Thrawn sent knew. down stormtroopers, right? And then yes. that whole thing happened, and they crashed. And Thrawn's like, "Oh, well, you know, I'll send some of my guys out because you know." It- Kind of calling back to to Card being just being neighborly when they first came by. He's like, I'm just being neighborly now. I'll go and scope, you know, see if everyone's okay. And they're like, Yeah, yeah, no.
3: I really
1: liked uh, Luke's disguise.
2: Oh yeah, with the with
3: <laughs> very the,
1: painful with, one
2: with the uh, the plants he's allergic to. Yeah,
3: right. But yeah, and
1: stinging. I, Mara got whatever. got
2: a little Mara got a little bit of uh, thrill out of that, kind of mm-hmm. putting him in some pain.
3: And you kind of this is a whole this whole part of the book after she has her like. Revelation. She's sort of not as hateful towards him. It seems like she's sort of not moving past it because she doesn't. Spoiler alert: She doesn't move past it until the uh, the last book, really. Um, but um, she's kind of got a different attitude towards him. She's sort of maybe starting to realize he's, you know, he is there. You know, he is an able Jedi, he, even though he's not really a Jedi. But he is scrappy and that he is useful.
1: Well, if you ha- if you think about it, she it was a release for her to actually say yeah. what it well, was has been, was yeah. bothering her. Yeah, this has been a secret so.
2: she's been carrying for five years. Yeah, and just
3: the, I think the way that Luke responded to her probably just put her off so much. You know,
2: <laughs> <laughs> just like and I mean, he even tried. I can't remember. Does he actually tell her because she's like, "You killed the emperor," and he's no, like, he doesn't. Vader killed the emperor, but mm-hmm. no, I was there. <laughs> he doesn't really.
3: I don't think he says anything. I think it's sort of an internal internal yeah, thing. Like but I don't think he, he ever really. It. Th- brings it up to her because what would be the point really but they yeah there's all the uh, like spikers troopers are all over the place driving flying around and uh, it's pretty it's, and, and then there's these creatures that are attacking them which we for, I forgot to mention which are foreign um, they're called and they have like this whip tail that like Luke gets injured by on his face and that's sort of when she puts the stuff on him it sort of gets in those cuts but Card has two of those that are sort of domesticated. He cut their tails off, and I guess that sort of makes them a little bit more docile. Mm -hmm. But they're like these real deadly, dangerous uh, predators. And then the whole, there's those Islamiri things that make it so the whole planet basically has like, there's no force ability really. Because apparently they say that in groups they can have huge bubbles of null force, I guess you could say. And they, Thrawn knows that there's really only one place that they can get out, and it's a city, which is a spaceport. And Luke comes out, they come out of the, the jungle to the city, and they immediately get <laughs> these Imperials like, hey, and he's like, oh, thank God, you know, I just want to sit down. I've had this prisoner, and he says, he's, Luke tells them he's Jade, and that this is a prisoner, is a thief, and then Lando uh, and Card's men are there waiting to ambush the uh, the troopers and uh there's a big battle, <laughs> big battle in this little city, and it's a pretty cool battle actually uh a little gunfight and uh Lando gets <laughs> shot gets shot um by you know sort of crossing one of card's guys didn't really work out that well for him, he thought he was gonna get killed, he was pretty sure that was the end of him, and then um Luke is able to um throw his lightsaber through this like archway and like crush all the Imperials. It's crazy <laughs> without the force either. That was the weirdest part. And you know, that was a pretty cool fight, I guess. And then it's sort of after that, the card realizes that like he screwed, you know, he can't stay on his, on Merker anymore, which he figured he couldn't do anymore. And,
2: uh, Oh, he's sad about it. Cause he liked it there. And yeah, it was a good, you know, good base and all that stuff. But he's not, so, yeah.
3: he's not, he's so he's not thrilled. And you know, Lando, uh, they Han and Luke uh, put Lando on the on the Falcon because he's in bad shape and they want to get him somewhere where he can get fixed up. Han decides to go to Slewis Van. It's the, the coincidence in this book. Yeah, Slewis Han, Van. Slewis Van, he decides to go to Slewis Van, which is uh, coincidentally enough the target of uh, the Imperials who have been making these attacks still.
2: Right, and this Slewis Van is kind of like the first step in their ultimate right. o- overarching strategy to take down the... The rebellion, as Thrawn calls them, still.
3: Yeah. So, what 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 their plan is? There's Thrawn needs ships, and there's 112 ships that are not doing anything, and they're at these shipyards. So, their plan is to uh, get in and get the ships.
2: And when? Wedge- so, yeah, they've they've taken all these Mon Calamari star cruisers, and and they put them kind of gave them minimal crews, and they turned these warships into cargo ships. Right. So they're all sitting there like vulnerable
3: and and another coincidence wedge is also on in, in,
2: in there too doing these fly rounds the shipyards. so right there he's escorting some cargo like a free of a it was like an escort frigate that was carrying some cargo and they had to basically like ride along and then once they got into the system fly around a little bit yeah. show the flag kind of a thing
3: so what I, what, what the plan was was the imperials use these little um the small miners That were Lando's mole miners and they've had some uh, stormtroopers on them and they attach them to the hulls of these ships and then the troopers take over the uh, ships to try to escape with them and then the Falcon comes in and there's a whole TIE fighter fight. These TIE fighters explode out of this freighter. That was pretty cool.
2: Yeah. So I guess one of the big things that uh, the, the cloaking, reason one of, right, yeah, one of the reasons Thrawn went to Wayland to the Emperor's storehouse was right. he he found these cloaking shields and everyone thought, oh, well, he's going to use it to cloak a ship and whatever. But he doesn't. He uses them inside the freighter mm-hmm. to block sensors to show to to make it seem like the freighter's empty and the, it works, except that Wedge and I guess Rogue Five or something, one of the other rows kind of look at it and Wedge is like, well, the freighter reads is empty, but it's not moving like it's empty. And so he kind of like gets on edge and that kind of gives them a little bit of an advantage when this whole thing, like basically the freighter explodes and all these TIE fighters come out.
3: Yeah, that was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And the Falcon shows up in the middle of the battle and Luke starts pegging uh, TIE fighters. And then uh, Luke comes up with the uh, I believe Luke comes up with the plan, right? He talks to Lando and Lando has the codes for the mole miners and they set the uh, mole miners on their, their cutting beams on and then burn out the bridges of these ships and kill the troopers. and The ships go uh, sort of inert. But there's these space troopers that are in, you know, a, a, sort of a new stormtrooper we haven't heard of before, which is a stormtrooper with like a sort of an X-space ex-
2: suit. Space suit. Yeah. Space
3: suit. It's they, they're kind of a pain in the butt. And Thrawn um, withdraws, and he's not that, doesn't seem that upset about it, which is the odd thing.
2: He's kind of irritated, but
3: let's say. he's not like crazy. He's just like, oh, well, we're still going to win. He we'll get shipped somewhere else. We'll get him out. Yeah. You know, after the battle, Leia calls and then they have a little oh, and um, you find out that Admiral Ackbar was arrested on treason. And then that's sort of how the book ends. <laughs>
4: <Da-da-da>. <laughs> that's
3: it. <laughs> and so it's not much of a it's not a big ending. But since we both we, since we knew that it was going to be a continued no matter what. That's it so that was how it ended it ended after that Slewis fan thing you don't ever see the characters really get back together in this book but that's the ending of the uh, of the book and um, no i haven't I haven't read this in so long I want to say that I really um, I still enjoyed it a whole heck of a lot a whole lot now Jen this is your first time so what did you think
1: mm-hmm. I like the book um, I think that the impact was not as big on me though because i didn't i didn't read it the same same time you did when there was a void of star wars material you Mm. know what i mean when everyone was starving for it it was well written the story was interesting but it's not my favorite Mm. i hope people don't hate me now (laughs) i i can definitely see why it's you know your favorite though it's definitely a good book I agree. It's just not, it didn't grab me as much, I guess, as it it grabbed you guys.
3: Well, let's say this is the same thing for people in Star Wars or same thing with anything. Like when Star Wars first came out, there wasn't anything like Star Wars before. So the people who were greatly affected by that are people who were the sort of first kind of impacted by it. You know, when I, like you said, I think that's sort of what I said last time. Like when I first experienced this story, it was like, new Star Wars was a huge like novelty. This was, this was not something that was around before. So, you know, I would admit in my age at the time, 16, I was a teenager, you know, probably just sort of ingrained a little bit more, but I, that's why I was curious to see how I would feel about it as, um, as a 40 or near 40 year old person, which like I was pretty, I was happy that I enjoyed it still. So, and, and, Compared to last, the last of the book we did last month, this is, this is not even close. So, right.
4: mm-hmm. you know,
1: well, it's always scary to revisiting something that that you read so many years ago that has a lot of nostalgia for you because often you go back and, and things just don't hold up. But it did for you, so that that that's a good thing.
3: Yeah, I mean, other than um, like the. Um, uh inconsistencies with the uh, film stuff like clone wars like now they say there's clone masters and like crazy clones and all the stuff Right, like we've... the
2: clone wars originally the clone wars were kind of backwards from how they are now like the the republic was fighting the clones who were the enemy
3: right which is obviously the complete opposite of right what actually happened
2: yeah so little things like that do take you out of the book a little bit but i mean honestly i mean. Thrawn or not Thrawn, uh, the uh, author's name. What is it? Timothy Zahn. <laughs> Timothy Zahn, sorry. Didn't you know he didn't have this stuff to go off of at the time because he had no idea this was gonna be going on.
3: Let's not forget too like that he also was given dates in year and like just like from Lucas film and George Lucas, you know, when did the Clone Wars happen? And he said so many years. And we all know that now that's twenty years before episode four. But mm-hmm. like in this book it seems like much further off like maybe 30 to 40 years And in my mind is a like, you know when I, before the uh, prequels, I always kind of felt the Clone Wars is sort of like a distant thing too because Obi-Wan was so old I figured that for him to be to fight in the Clone Wars it would have to have been like 40 years before you know what I mean right so you know things got changed but, I mean, it didn't. It's kind of, I guess, like you said, it's kind of weird when those little references to the Clone Wars happen, and and that's going to be cloning and all that is going to be is a big part of this series as it goes forward. There's definitely um, (laughs) there's more callbacks to the Clone Wars that are going to happen that won't be matching up what we know now, but you know, we can't really fault it for that since you know. there wasn't ever probably going to be a prequels as far as anybody knew back then. So it's fine. It doesn't bother me that much. And there's always a way to to like retcon stuff to make it fit.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Because if you think about it, at one point the Jedi were fighting the clones. And if you think about that, then did they become Imperial at that point? So the Jedi represented the Republic. I mean, how, it's just yeah, I mean, it's like you, a certain can, point s- of view.
2: Yeah, you can spin <laughs> it any way you want, really. Yeah.
1: It's all up to you.
3: And I mean and I mean I was kind of convinced when I like before the prequels that maybe the clones were Jedi's and stuff. So I didn't really think anything of it. I would make sense to me to clone Jedi's <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah,
1: because it's, your example was S Sapoyav, So
3: Right. It would make sense. Like, yeah, if you're gonna have a war, get a bunch of Jedi's together with lightsabers, man, it'll knock don't kill people man be crazy
2: but then they also kind of showed like you know how at least the the clones in in this version of the clone wars were not really they were kind of they would go crazy and they weren't stable and all that so right it's a whole different let's just it's just
3: there
1: yeah but there were clones that did go crazy and there were unstable ones there were like phase one clones
4: that that had things
1: wrong with them and then they had you know a couple of Things happen towards the end of the Clone Wars cartoon, you know. So
2: yeah, we and Joe
3: were they talking. tied
1: it in. I, I I bet you they went back and tried to make it work, or maybe it just accidentally turned out that way. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> I don't know. No, I think I mean the people that that work on the Clone Wars I and mean, Dave Filoni and everyone they're they're Star they're Wars fans, fans so yeah. they 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 know this stuff already. So they probably tried mm-hmm. to make it fit as best they could.
3: Yeah. Um. Spoiler alert: Me and Joe were talking about this before we recorded, but there is the the beginning of the season six of Clone Wars. Uh, goes into Order 66 a little bit and uh, answers some questions about that for me. And I th- that little arc with the clones is uh, very, it, very, very, very good.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. It was, it was awesome.
3: And maybe someday we'll have to do a little supplemental on, like, Clone Wars or something. Mm-hmm. That might be kind of fun. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I could grade it. If I'm going to grade it out of 10, I mean, for me is 16, it's a 10 out of 10. for me at 40, it's like a nine or an eight and a half out of 10. Just because, And it still holds up. It's not as good as I remember. Maybe just a little bit, like I said, a little bit cheesy with the th- throwback lines and things like that. But I'm going to forgive it because um, it's so freaking well written. And the characters speak with the voices that... You sort of expect them to. They don't. He it feels like Zahn really knows how to write the characters. Mm-hmm. He's not just like putting dialogue in as Leia. It seems like, like you said, like it shows Leia as her in her diplomacy. And I don't know, it's a very he he, he gets the voice of the characters. It's a very, very well written book. Um, if you haven't read it and you listen to this, I mean, I guess we sort of ruined it for you, but read it. Or listen to the um the twentieth anniversary ver- uh
2: audio version it's just it's awesome, not the books on tape version no
1: no 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 yeah
2: I mean I mean the only thing I guess the one aside from the uh the wookie with the speech impediment <laughs> the, the one thing that took me out a little bit at least at first, and this is only because of the way that I originally read the book is uh card's voice threw me off at first because I never pictured him or I never thought him in my of, of him in my brain, kind of having a kind of uh
1: Spanish Spanish
2: accent like kind of a very smooth Spanish accent and that took (laughs) me out for the first couple of sentences and then I got used to it and I said okay you know I'll give him that I just kind of thought he would have like a normal kind of um, no
1: it fit for me it was a a Ricardo Montimon. yeah and and it did it
2: it did kind of after like I said after he said a few sentences uh, my brain accepted it it's just that because I read this book this book has been a part of my life for so long and that just wasn't how I thought of him and I know when you look at pictures of him and, you know, over the years, you know, he has kind of like a little goatee and all this stuff. And he's very kind of wreckish, if if that's a word. Whatever. So it, it works. But that took me out a little bit.
3: I don't always drink. But when I do, I drink blue milk.
4: Stay close to my friends. <laughs>
3: <laughs> the most interesting smuggler in the galaxy.
2: <laughs> right. Exactly. And, yeah, and,
3: he definitely had that. I'm agreeing with you because when when Card's voice came on, I was like, "What the?" I always pictured him more like regular sort of just like a guy. Guy <laughs> guy. But then you know what I thought was, you know what? There's pro- the guy has to have sort of he has to be differentiated from the other characters in this book. So we've got a we've got a couple of British sounding dudes. We have definitely like enough American sounding dudes. So the, the they probably wanted to say, well, maybe the Car should have some sort of a unique
2: accent just to differentiate him.
1: So the guy with a Spanish accent isn't a guy. He's not a regular guy. He's
2: not. He's not just a guy. He's like a cooler guy. I don't know. <laughs> well, no, what I, you know what I mean. Like, there's something about it. Like, it, it stands out. It's unique.
1: Is macho. Is we
2: think about it, muy macho. Yes. And smooth and you know. Smooth. Exactly that. <laughs>
1: Well, Not cold 44 smooth because that's Lando's smooth.
2: <laughs> well, Lando, yeah. Lando has his own stuff in this book. Works every time.
3: <laughs>
1: that's
2: right.
3: I'm old enough to remember those commercials when they were Me actually too. on TV. <laughs> I think I, I
2: only ever saw them on YouTube. Yeah. I think.
3: I mean, that's. How are you gonna do? Oh, my goodness.
2: Yeah. I'd always love it. Like, Lando. Yeah. So I guess, yeah. I guess rating wise, I kind of have to agree with, with Chris. When I first read it, it was like. It, blew off the charts. And and now looking at it a little more, you know, with with some more years on me and, you know, with a bit more of a critical eye because we're doing it kind of, you know, book club style. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd bring it down to a nine because th- there are little things. But I guess something I noticed bringing it back to to something that Chris said last week is that there are still a lot of notes in this book, but they all f- flow together. Yeah, because I mean, if you look at it, you have like, you know, Leia always under threat, Luke and Sabayoth, Luke and Mara, Thrawn, Card and Mara and Thrawn, like all together, Han and Lando, Han and Lando and Thrawn. Like there's a lot of there's always stuff happening. And this isn't a short book necessarily. Like I remember I think it's oh I have the Wikipedia up here. So the paperbacks, four hundred thirty two pages. It's not really it's not a tiny book, Uh, but you don't get lost. Because I think there's only, like, really one major thing happening at a time, whereas, you know, last time around in Millennium Falcon, there was just, everything was happening all at once, and things were moving back and forth, and so, you know, maybe that was the issue there, so. Well,
4: yeah, just... well, that
3: was, when, yeah, I mean, it's okay for, if a story is sort of has a, this story had, like, pretty much one thrust. I mean, there was many different characters, but the story, they all sort of moved in the same direction. Right. And, whereas the Millennium Falcon book you're going in all these weird different directions and it just was too much to keep track of Where because the story did not those other side stories weren't really contributing to the, the story as a whole while those were very good it didn't really, it still didn't Just like I said the story, this story is one story with many different characters but it, it, it's, and it's really just one, two, three, it's like four different tracks I guess depending on, you have Thrawn and uh, Imperials, you have Leia, they kind of interweave yeah, here. too, in Han and Lando, Luke and Mara. I mean, so, you know, it's not too much. It's just
1: organized better.
3: It's yeah. organized
1: better. It's edited better. It's yeah. thought out.
3: What do you think, Jen? What's your rating? I want to know.
1: Well, my rating isn't is, isn't too much different than y'all's. So I was going to give it a seven, but it could be an eight.
3: Yeah, I think seven's too low, so I think you made the right choice. <laughs>
1: Eight eight prop seven's probably based on the fact that it's it's not the quality of the book. It's just that it's not mm, it's not it wasn't clicking for me. So that's why I gave it. So eight is in you know quality good good jobs on (laughs) eight. Good
2: on you. Yeah. Right, and I guess it's just also like for for Chris and I when we originally read it, like this so much came out of this, like basically of the whole EU is almost based in this. Born. This is like, the yeah. big,
3: this is the big bang of the uh, expanded universe. You see, yeah. it?
2: I mean, there's like he introduced new ships like they I think this is the first time we see an interdictor cruiser, which comes back and it made it into the video games. And sure stuff. did. Yeah. So, you know,
1: it's like seeing first. I mean, it's like seeing, co- I mean, it's like seeing uh, TNG for the first time on the big screen for us mm-hmm. Trek nerds. And there were cheesy moments where we're like, whoa, you know, and yeah. now it's, like watching it's, fan it again, it's service like, all right, already. It's
3: yeah, exactly. You know, like data saying, yes, everybody's like, yeah, mm-hmm.
1: right. On. Yeah. And
3: now you're watching, you're like, eh. uh, yeah.
1: exactly.
3: <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, again, th- it's all about perspective and, uh, I'm still gonna rate it. Like I said, I'm gonna rate it high because it's it's. Uh, I think Air of the Empire* is benefiting from last our last podcast. Maybe too. <laughs> it's like that book to this book. It's like night and day. It's like here is overwrought nonsense, and here is a really concise, tight story. So,
1: why did we start with *Millennium Falcon*? I don't know
3: how that happened. <laughs> it was probably my fault. Oh, and I'm gonna why?
1: apologize golly what a way to start a show. <laughs> I know. But this well, is at least um, it's
2: it started off showing that we're not going to be like, you know, fan service and just say everything's
3: that's good. That's
1: right. That's right. Yeah. Well, I can't it, do that's that. That's a good
2: excuse. That's not in my nature anyway.
3: So, um but I think the second book, which we're doing next podcast, Dark Force Rising is actually my favorite book in this series. So,
1: well, I'm looking forward to reading that one. Yeah, so and this is
2: the one I wanted to buy originally first the first time I saw it because I thought it had a cooler cover than the first book. It does have a cool cover. There's a star destroyer on it. It's pretty awesome.
3: And there's an asteroid. Yeah, yeah, and Luke with his lightsaber, and um, I think Han and Leia still. Um, and then the third cover had yeah. Anyway, well we'll talk about covers, but this the cover is very. Um, Weird. The cover has Sabayath like, with his arms out, with, like, beams coming off of them. His not fingers. exactly
1: lightning, but balls.
3: Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's got sort of stock. It's got, It's a painting, It's but it's, like, from pictures of, like, from Return of the Jedi era, Han and Leia and Luke. And I think on the back, there's 3PO and R2-D2, and I think there might be, like, a Millennium Falcon on it, maybe. I don't know. I'm not for sure. But... Back when covers and posters were hand-painted and they were actually art, not Photoshop. But that's a subject. Hey,
1: now. Hey, hey. <laughs> hey. I know.
3: I'm just kidding. Stop. I, I'm sorry. I just This
1: missed. is a, this coming from someone who has a degree in studio art, um, was a painter and now a designer. Right. Sensitive. Not, Sensitive. I know.
3: But like <laughs> I'm my movie posters, I'm not talking about like, What you do for like professionally for like websites and things like that. I'm talking. It's
1: okay. It's okay. I'm
3: talking about a movie poster (laughs) where or Drew Struzan or somebody like him would paint this awesome painting that would really capture the movie, and you'd look at it and you go, I want to see that movie because this painting is just incredible. This art is making me want to see this movie. And then nowadays you just get like these floating heads on a background, and it just makes me so sad.
1: You know, though, I I have the uh, Essential Readers Companion. Uh-huh. And a lot of the artwork in that is awesome. Yes.
4: Mm-hmm. I don't know
1: if you have flipped through the pages. That's when that's the one I'm looking at with Sabayath's hands that are glowing. But I thought that was the cover. But it's not.
2: Yeah. But, and I also really love, like, I, I went through a bit of the source book because I love that stuff. And there's a lot of really cool, like, kind of black and white line art yes. in there. That's that's also really, really, really cool. and gives you a lot more kind of background and, you know, context for the way they intended for things to look as opposed to the way that we imagine that they look. And yeah, it was mm-hmm. quite cool. When I was a kid, I, I was I used to
3: draw like crazy and I thought, was always like, I would love to draw for like a D&D source book or something. Like I always I always loved the pictures in those books. Yeah. You know
1: I do have to say though, the Luke and Mara wedding cover for that comic book.
3: <laughs> oh,
1: God,
3: that is not, not so much it's pretty pretty corny there's no <laughs> doubt about it
1: no wonder lucas hates her
3: <laughs> yeah it's pretty cheesy but you know maybe someday i'll get you guys to read some of the comics i don't know i might have to like i might have to like buy them for you guys like on amazon and just ship them to you and is say is there
1: a narrator <laughs>
3: <laughs> all right you should you know, be able to blow through comics pretty quick you and and you can absorb it's it's a whole thing man it's such joy i love getting a new comic so much and opening it up and just looking at the art and like kind of read and just soaking it all in but if you're not like a comic book reader like i have been for most of my stupid life it's like for me that's home but maybe it's not for you it's like, like you said i i've heard you say you don't know how to read them and i'm like how is that even possible but
4: yeah i think like
3: even I've heard people say, like, I don't know whether to look at the pictures or read the book. What yeah, to that's do. Joe.
1: Joe said that. I said yeah. that I'm an art snob, much like uh, Thrawn. So if if the art doesn't li- click with me, I have a hard time reading it.
3: I see. So and you- if
1: the art is beautiful, I have a hard time reading it because I want to look at the pictures. So it's hard for me to balance that. Well, I
2: have the opposite problem. I just read the words, and then I get like through a couple of pages, and I'm like I haven't looked at any of the art. So then I feel like I have to go back and look at stuff, and then I get taken out of the flow. And so,
3: yeah, what I really like is, you know, I've been able to accept that these artists all have like sort of different styles, and that sometimes just some an artist style might work better for this particular story. And it's you know, it's uh, I don't know. I love comics, and, st- and some there's been some really excellent Star Wars comics over the years. So someday. In the future, I'll get you guys to read comics. I'm down with it. Yeah.
1: Uh, I'll, like I, I'm up for the challenge. Like
3: I said, it might take me just buying them and just sending them to you guys who so feel guilty <laughs> of, and bought them. Now we'll cover awesome. comic books because uh, I'm guilting them into doing it. Chris <laughs> spent money, so we have to yeah, do it now. <laughs> exactly. So, but right. this, this, I'll, um, a uh, purchase that you might want to make if you are sort of interested in these. Um, books, and you like comic books like me, they did collect, they did adapt these, and they are collected in a hardcover called the Thrawn Trilogy from Dark Horse Comics, which is around uh, 24 to $30 on Amazon. It has all three books. And um, it's a pretty good adaptation. I kind of uh, leafed through it at the bookstore uh, last week. I didn't buy it, although I really, really wanted to. I just, I just didn't. Um,
2: I may poke around and see if they're on comiXology or something. Are they Dark Horse or are they? They're are
3: Dark Horse. Star okay, Wars then. has only so been
2: Dark Horse only. So, Yeah.
3: Uh, until, I think, next year. I think their rights are reverting to somebody else. I don't know if it's Marvel.
2: I figure I think, it would be Marvel. If I it's, think
3: it's, it's Marvel. So. If
2: they're owned by Disney, then it's probably Marvel.
3: So, But Dark Horse has had the comic book rights since right around the same time as this book came out, I think. It's been about yeah. that long.
2: Because I definitely I, I read Dark Empire. That was kind of...
3: That's stupid.
2: Yeah, but, but that—that's that, a comic I definitely, I definitely did read. I, I've
3: read it. I have them. They're dog-eared. I've looked. I like the art a lot in them. I think the story is just absurd. <laughs> it's a—that's a story for another day. But cloned emperor coming back to life, it's stupid. World devastators. World devastators. Luke is evil for a while. It's dumb. Yeah. It's dumb. All right. So All I right. Anyway, so that's a, we can wrap that, her up then, I guess. And somebody's gonna give our. Um, well, we got some emails. Oh, read. that's right. I forgot. Oh, I'm sorry. We've been going on for so long. I forgot we had emails. We've got emails and Joe's going to read them.
2: Sure. I can read them. Okay. So we got, we got four emails this week. So we're, we're, we're slowly ticking, going up in the world, ticking up. So our first email is from a uh, Jim of the sci-fi fanatics. And he writes, uh, I can't tell you how excited I am that you guys are starting with the Thrawn Trilogy. It's my favorite book series of all time and one of my first forays into sci-fi reading in general. Thrawn is truly my favorite non-movie Star Wars villain. He's brilliant in a weird, and in a weird way likable. He doesn't tend towards the melodrama elements that so many of the EU antagonists fall into. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts on the Dune of the EU. Hmm. And then, the
1: Dune so, of the EU.
2: I mean, I
3: love mm. Dune. Um, it's my favorite book of all time, but I guess I see, he's, I, I see where he's coming from. It's like respected, right? It's like yeah. it's the
2: first. It's the first. It's the like I think he means like kind of the the Dune of the Dune series, right? Like, like so that mm-hmm. that was the first book of of many other books that came yeah. out of it. Yeah, I which get I it. still, which I still, despite the fact I'm actually, if you look on my Goodreads, I'm still in the middle of reading <laughs> reading Dune. Oh, I love that book so much. I it's one that. of those books. It's that that and Lord of the Rings. I've tried to read them like fifteen times and I cannot get all the way through. <laughs> all right. Well finished fellowship.
1: I don't... Towers is hard.
2: Yeah, I finished fellowship. I and I've gotten like most I gotten most of the way through two towers, but it's my favorite book of those three. I don't know how you can't get through it.
3: It's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> Thank Too you, long. Jim.
1: Thank you for the email. Oh
3: yeah, that's really cool. I, I I'm 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 glad that I like uh that people are listening and
2: writing. It's exciting. Mm-hmm. Okay, so shall we roll into the second email? Yes. Please do. All right, so the second email is from BJ, who I think we all know from Trucks and Sci-Fi, and uh, he writes, Well, I'll catch up on the Millennium Falcon discussion when I finish that book, but I wanted to send some comments your way about a book that I have read countless times, *Heir to the Empire, and a few comments about uh, the whole trilogy. Uh, I was thrilled when Disney said that the new Episode 7 movie was going to be set 30 years after Jedi because I knew that the Thrawn trilogy would now technically be considered canon and basically untouchable, as it very rightly should be. The Thrawn trilogy takes what was so great about the original trilogy and cranks it up to 11. You have the snappy Han and Leia banter, although not nearly enough of it in my opinion, Uh, Luke downing himself several times over, an evil Jedi enemy, and a smuggler named Talon Card who thankfully isn't a Hut. Also, two of my favorite characters ever in the entire Star Wars canon debut here, Grand Admiral Thrawn and Mara Jade. I love Grand Admiral Thrawn's cold calculations and being able to predict his opponent's strategy through his artwork. And on the other hand, I love Mara Jade for her interesting inner conflict throughout the trilogy that ends in The Last Command in surprising fashion. And I actually bailed out of the Legacy of the Force series at about book four because I had heard through spoilers that... Should I say this?
1: Okay. No, 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 no. no, no, no. <laughs> that something happened <laughs> and blah,
2: blah, blah. And I just couldn't see that happen to one of my favorite characters. Maybe if you guys go through that whole series, I might go back and try to get through it, but I'm not sure I could at this rate. On hmm. uh, One huge bummer, however, this trilogy set the quality bar unreasonably high for not just the other Star Wars authors to play in that playground, but also for Timothy Zahn's later toe-dippings into the universe. Although I'll admit outbound flight, uh, the book giving the backstory about the Katana fleet in this trilogy was fabulous. So fabulous show. At least at least I've at least listened to episode zero, and I can't wait to hear this discussion. See you on the Facebook group and may the force be with you, BJ. Wow. Thanks,
1: BJ. And we awesome. we
3: know BJ's a huge EU fan.
1: Yeah, it was very well written.
2: Yes. Paragraphs.
3: Mar- and-
1: Both of them are. Marjade's yes. also one of my favorite, all-time favorite characters, too yes. from the e. I,
2: I, I do enjoy Mara Jade. and actually. I guess one thing that's interesting about Mara Jade, because I do remember this way back when when we did uh, the um, what's it called the RPG game on Treks and Sci-Fi, and I know Jen, you you brought this up a couple of times. Like Mara Jade is is a very you know beautiful woman, and she's very very good in many ways. And I know you used to bring up the fact that that's that can be challenging to write.
1: Yes, don't be a, uh, a what do you call it uh, Mary Jane,
2: Mary Sue. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, Mary Sue. Thank you
2: exactly but i I guess something else yes absolutely Mm. (laughs) but uh you know and i I guess this works because she also does clearly have some problems
1: yeah she's flawed
2: yeah so she has she's not like one dimensional Mm -hmm. Mm. so very good i I enjoy i enjoy mara jade myself and i was unhappy with you know things that happened with her that i I mumbled over it
1: hasn't happened i haven't read it it
3: there you go
2: hasn't happened yet Let's look at email three because I
3: like this Noah character because I like the first paragraph of this email.
5: Okay. I Chris don't know is,
3: why, but Chris something about me it. is striking.
2: This, this email is just, oh,
5: I'm okay. ready. Joe.
2: Come on, read it up. Read it. Okay, through. so Noah writes, first off, love the show. You three are doing great. Second off, Qui-Gon was a waste of a character. <gasps> <Whoa>? <laughs> <laughs> he, he goes on, don't get me wrong. I love Liam Neeson, and he was one of the few bright points of episode one, but everything he did could have just as easily been done by Obi-Wan. <laughs> <laughs> now really? I, I thought I was read-
3: crazy. Sorry, yeah, You
2: are crazy. Okay, All sorry. Right. Th- I'm Continuing sorry. That-
3: Noah, you're a smart man. Very good.
2: Very good P- guy. Points for Noah. Yep. Now, I have not read Millennium Falcon yet, but I listened to the show anywho. I doubtless will read, at- read it at some point. That being said, the Thrawn trilogy was the book series that set the bar for all other books in the EU. I read the Jedi Academy trilogy first and liked it, but the Thrawn trilogy was epic. I was enchanted by the characters it introduced that went on to be huge figures in the EU like Palian, Palian, Talon Card, and of course Mary Jade. Uh, I loved all the twists and intrigue, and then there is Grand Admiral Thrawn himself to be reckoned with. Uh, the guy who could peruse the Louvre and then decide how best to conquer humanity. Mm. Throw in a crazy Sith clone thing and this recipe for awesome just got tastier. These are still the books I go to when I want to feed my Star Wars EU fix, though it seems I may have to reread my whole collection and add to it in order to keep up with this podcast. May the Force be with you always, Noah. Oh, thank you, Noah. Very, Noah, very. Good. if this
1: was Anomaly, I'd give you a Gamma Quadrant golf clap.
2: There
3: no, go. it's one
1: of our listeners. You're welcome. Well, <laughs> you got good listeners.
3: That's all I got to I say. I know this guy's. This guy's super smart. I can tell. I can just tell something about him. I don't know. Hey,
1: hey, jo- uh, Joe. I know you're a French Canadian uh, from that area. The Louvre. The Louvre. How do you pronounce that? Because I've always heard of it as the the Louvre.
2: The Louvre. It's, it's the Louvre. You yes,
1: you sir. said Louvre. or Louvre? Is that what? did I hear right?
2: I, really? Is that what I said when I read it? Yeah.
1: Yeah. My mouth I, didn't, was getting, I didn't know if I've always been saying it wrong. <laughs> my mouth really? was
2: getting a little dry. It's the... Oh, it's okay, the, okay. Yeah, it's the Louvre. You That's a You have to roll your R a little bit. I
3: refuse to do that. Uh,
2: Thank it's, you for it's clarifying. A, there we go. Yes. <laughs> Way to go. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll wet my throat a little more. <laughs> All right, so for our final email... Uh, this one comes from Neil and Neil writes, hi, I enjoyed the first podcast on millennium Falcon. I found the book confusing as I (laughs) I I found the book confusing as I have not read any EU in a long time, but it did inspire me to explore some of the books that led to the thread in the millennium Falcon book. The lack of Chewie was hard to read in some ways. Uh, I do not know the outline of what happened to him and I have vector prime on my to read list, but I have yet to be ready myself to read it emotional investment uh, in a character yes there's uh, exactly. uh, some stuff that happens in that book that book. isn't yeah that's a rough one uh i read heir to the empire not long after it came out i remember enjoying it but i will not be rereading it for a while as i have to reduce the number of books i have yeah i know the feeling mm-hmm. i had to board i had to board the attic in my house uh to house my books I have boxes and boxes of to read books, so I am not rereading or any or buying any for a while until I have uh, got rid of a few. But Thrawn was a very interesting character in a tale with many twists and turns. Looking forward to the podcast, folks. Thank you for doing it and rekindling my interest in the EU. Cheers, Neil. P.S. Any yeah. plans to cover the Republic Commando books? The audio play a few years ago was great. And actually, we talked about those books. Did we
1: talk about mm-hmm. that pre-show? Yeah, hard or contact.
2: Yep. We, we we talked about it somewhere, whether we actually recorded it or not. I don't.
3: No, know. I
1: don't think we did. Okay. Yeah, that was probably yeah. pre-show,
2: but uh, mm-hmm. I, I do want to cover those because I, I did really, really enjoy those books, even though they've been erased by the Clone Wars. But like, all, the hi- all the history of the Mandalorians and all that stuff was kind of rewritten. And I think yeah. the, the Karen original Traviz. one. But the Mandalorians has been rewritten like five times at this point. So what's the difference? Yeah, but I mean, Karen Travis, like that was a didn't she basically just give up like she writing did. for at Star that point, Wars? She was
1: pretty irritated by that.
2: No, that was understandable. Well, she really, that's her thing.
1: She that, loved them. Yeah. yeah. yeah she
2: came up with like everything. Like they, they had a language, they had a history. And, it's and it was like, little, no. A, a
1: interesting thing about her, she was a war correspondent. So she has an insight into military, you know, relationships and just the way the soldiers are that, you know, she she loved her characters. And really put a lot of thought into them. So I can understand why she would be put off by that. You know?
3: Yeah, definitely yeah. when when I watched the, those Clone Wars with the uh, Mandalorians and then sort of against what we know, what we've read in the EU, it's like it's not even close.
2: Yeah, I didn't think they were as good, let's say. At no, all. I, I like the way that she did it better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, the Clone Wars version was kind of cruddy. They were just like this generic race. Yeah, pretty much, with some guys that like to
3: wear suits and fly around with jetpacks. Yeah, exactly. So, so, you know,
2: whatever. Yeah, yeah. that and and... and, and. As Neil talked about, I definitely understand the having way too many books to read and not enough time to read them. Mm-hmm.
1: It sounds like Neil needs to go digital.
2: Yeah. like Sorry. My- I
1: mean, I love I love the smell of an old book. A- I love feeling it in my hands. But when you have that many books, you need to go digital.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's
1: easier to store them.
3: Yeah, my wife oh, yeah. and I, we, we're ridiculous with books. It's, it's absurd. Our stacks and our book, we have custom-made bookshelves that are full now, and I'm like – I can't get them made again. I don't know where to get it because I can't get one another one to match it. I couldn't imagine that we were gonna fill them all up, fill them up so quick. And uh, I don't know what to do. We just keep getting books, and I just ordered one when I before I, I was talking to Joe before we recorded. I ordered another book.
2: What, what's wrong with me?
3: Anyway, eh? What are you gonna do? It's it's better better than some other habits.
2: Yeah, but no, for me it's definitely you know my my Kindle makes things a lot easier and and Audible like. I I go through so many more books now than than I was able to before Mm. just because I can listen while I'm driving to work. I can listen to while I'm cleaning the house, while I'm cooking dinner. Exactly,
1: me too. I do that a lot too at work because I'm doing stuff that I don't have to use a lot of thought for. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like mundane stuff. So my, my brain is able to listen to an audiobook and then while I'm cooking, like you said, I listen to the audiobook. But I do both. I'll read and I'll listen to the audiobook. And yeah. Audible is pretty affordable. I mean I'm not trying to sell it to anyone but I thought not it was yeah we don't
2: have it we don't have a sponsorship
3: yet.
1: No, but I thought it was expensive. <laughs> and it's not it's not it's, it's very affordable.
2: It's
3: like fourteen bucks.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And that's and really it's half price of the book that you get, you get a credit. Um anyway, why are we it's doing, a doing commercial for audible? But however it is. Um, it's a good way to go. And and, yeah. the, and the app is very, very easy to use and works great. Yep. So that's how I listen. And I think that's how you guys do, too.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
3: Oh, yeah. So that was nice emails. I tell you, that was yeah.
2: a, that's a nice, pleasant surprise. I appreciate yeah, good that. Good job. I. So So for future reference, those emails were very, very good length. That's that's really good. And they were well, you know, well, well formed, good sentence structure, good punctuation it makes them very easy to read out on the show so for anyone
3: else and there must be at least one email a week that agrees with me yes exactly that <laughs> <laughs> that one was oh, really it'll be
1: nice to scott scott was our first emailer
3: oh no scott was fine i know but that, <laughs> I, I i i
1: he broke the ice
3: he did and it was exactly we love it we love the first email it's up on my wall like a like a dollar bill <laughs> So we're so that's it for this week, guys. We went a little bit long, I know, but this is a um, this, this was is an important one, m- yeah. momentous uh, book, and um, definitely when we were discussing doing this podcast, I'm, this was forefront, forefront. This was foremost. Um, this book was foremost on my mind. These books, there was no way that I wasn't going we weren't gonna do these early. Um, and the good thing is Zahn is a good author. He's got 10 Star Wars books out there. We can, we will do more Zahn books because he's written books on Mara Jade and he's did one on the outbound flight and he's, uh, he did us another one that was sort of Luke and Mara. And
2: the Hand
1: of Thrawn.
3: Is, it was Hand of Thrawn cool. and the Survivor's Quest that was Luke yeah. and Mara. Didn't
1: he do Allegiance?
3: Allegiance and the sequel to that, which is, um. So, uh, I, don't I forget, but this is it's, a, it's, it's right after that book. And Allegiance is an excellent, excellent book. Yeah. So next week, Dark Force Rising. Next month, in fact. Next week. <laughs> Not next, next week, week. I get reading,
2: everybody. Sorry.
1: <laughs> and we should tell people how we're releasing these because we've had some comments on our Facebook group where it almost seems like people are panicking, like, oh, no, I haven't even finished the oh, first one. one. Like, simmer down. Simmer down now. <laughs>
3: We were, it, were every month, and we try to get it pretty close. I think we were right about a month on the last one, and this will be definitely on the twentieth,
1: maybe. Yeah, well, the tw-
3: but between the twentieth and the twenty-fifth, I think is fair enough. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it'll be narrower than that. I'm, you know, because we're recording fairly early now, so I mean it's not going to be difficult for us to get it up. It's just, you know. Sit there's sit a little, bit, or... there's a little bit of work that goes into it.
1: Yeah, and it's it's a podcast. It's recorded, so you don't have to right. like.
3: It's on demand, folks. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have I have a, on my pod app podcast uh, app. I got all kinds of stuff sitting waiting for me to 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 mop the floor or clean out the garage. Well, and
1: you can always talk to us about old stuff too. Like if you just finished Millennium Falcon, feel did I, I just did you it. did I said,
2: you you did it? You? you pulled a you pulled the <laughs> darn a loss it. Pull the <laughs>
3: You pulled a Dennis Lawson.
1: That's what we're going
3: to call mispronunciations from now on.
1: Millennium Falcon. (laughs) If you've just finished that, you can email us still and tell us how much you liked or hated that book, too.
3: It's fine. I want to hear somebody that really liked it. So that that was,
1: would be interesting. Yeah. Oh
2: come on now, I sort of liked it.
3: That's right. For, well, you the yeah, first time you didn't, it was unqualified, no. and you the were the second like, time the cana- you, you Canadian did a Canadian. Uh, there, there you go.
2: It's,
3: pretty, it's you a fight. it's all right. He put a lot of effort into that book. You know, I don't know. We can't really. <laughs> I could it. tell <laughs>
2: he was trying real
3: hard. Trying real hard eh? you know? So, <laughs> so um, we're gonna close up shop here because um, I need to go Betty by. So. Um, Send us an email again. Like you said, those emails were wonderful this week. For what a that's a great showing. I'm happy. So it's a uh, swstackshow at gmail.com. Twitter, swstackshow. Um, do you guys want to give out your Twitters?
1: Yeah, you, you can follow me on uh, Twitter. I'm at jen underscore d underscore roads or also at anomaly podcast, a n o m a l y podcast.
2: Right. you're so you're so good at that spelling yes. that
1: yeah uh, eight years learned yeah, exactly. to spell it i didn't oh i didn't always do that well <laughs>
2: <laughs> Oh, you can follow me at Billy Bob billybob four seven six that's b i l l y b o b four seven
1: six
2: on twitter i just did that yeah, off the top Billy Bob. of my head i I've, I've, oh. I've never done that before <laughs>
3: Um, well I,
1: done, I, sir. As I Woo-hoo. said,
3: as I said last time, I don't really do Twitter too much, but you can follow me or or whatever at Clemente 74 on Twitter. And I think I had like a new follower last week, so that was Just pretty. Keep cool. tweeting it it
1: because I did a Follow Friday. I saw right.
3: that and I was like, oh, look at that, because I get that's the only time that happens, and I'm, I see like a Twitter thing. I'm like, oh, well, what's that?
1: Because so I don't,
3: I don't really should utilize. Should
1: we unfollow it. you now, since you've admitted that you don't use it? I
3: do actually. The sad <laughs> thing is, I actually do look at it. What I'm saying is, I'm not, I'm not actively like tweeting a lot. That's all.
4: Oh, well, that's fine. I don't really
3: feel like I, anybody really needs to hear from me. Other, why am I doing a podcast
2: then? I don't say. Uh, um,
3: and we have a Goodreads group, um, Star Wars Stacks on Goodreads, um, Facebook group, search for Star Wars Stacks. Um, and I don't think we've had a uh, review on iTunes yet. And I would really like to see no, one.
1: That would be awesome.
3: So if you want to be the first, I'll put you up on my wall with um, our first email. And I'll have all these firsts on my wall. Um, Anyway, thanks for listening, guys. Um, We'll be back next month with Dark Force Rising. Uh, May the Force be with you. Bye-bye. Bye.
1: Bye. Thank you for visiting the Star Wars Stacks, where the Star Wars Expanded Universe dominates the library. We'll
5: Listening to the store of stacks, you may find more reference material within the show notes for this episode at swstacks.com. You may submit inquiries and feedback to swstacksshow at gmail.com. You may follow us on Twitter at swstacksshow.com. If you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes. Thank you for visiting. Please stop by again next month and share what you have learned here with your fellows.